Six-Pack Lapidot, I want to give a quick shout-out to our partners, the strength guys in this app that we have. It can be found at positionsofpower.programs with an S dot app. And the strength guys who coach people like Taylor Atwood, have you heard of him? He's pretty good. Uh, they've had several world champions, several national champions, and uh, I mean, a laundry list of records, national records, world records have been broken, etc. But they have an app with their elite level programming available, video tutorials. Uh, I mean, the whole nine, it's one stop shop once you're in here. There's a Discord where they're doing video review of your lifts. Um, to get all your lifts analyzed so you get elite level programming and coaching for $29.99 US a month. Positionsofpower.programs.app. Go there and get yourself started. <laughs> Okay, six-pack lap of that. We got our boy, Arian Messi Kamesi. I'll get this out the way. If you're, wherever you're listening, um, subscribe, give us high ratings. I always say it at the end of the podcast and I forget, but uh, so do it wherever you're listening and post it up in your Instagram and um, we'll repost. And today we're going international, Arian. We got me in Canada, you in the U.S., and we also got from Japan and Korea, man. We are stretched out. We're different time zones. Um, so so we'll, we'll get a little bit of a view from around the globe. We have Esther Bay from Korea. And uh, for real last name, not an IG last name. <laughs> and <laughs> and um, Kenan Kasai. Yes. Bam. One shot, Boom. one kill. Yes. Boom. Like cannon, like cannonball. Yeah. That's right. Like a cannonball <laughs> coming through, coming down the hall like a cannonball. Yes. Um, from Japan. Yeah. From Japan. So welcome Hello. on. Welcome on, ladies. We had met at the IPF World Championships, right? Mm-hmm. It is very exciting to be here. Thank you. No worries. No worries. We wanted to get, um, well, Arian, maybe you say, because you, you would come across, I think, a YouTube channel. Yeah, I saw for for Canon. I saw her YouTube channel. I saw her posting some uh, videos, though she hasn't posted lately. And oh. I was like, we we had been talking about this a few months ago, as far as like with this whole USAPL IPF stuff about drug testing mm-hmm. and also the pro series about prize money. Is what if we ask other lifters from other countries or officials and stuff like that? How do they do things over there? Like, mm. you know, how do they make their national team? Uh, do they get any support from their government? Uh, what's their drug testing like? Uh, what kind of prize money they win? So I was like, ah, she, you know, she she actually the reason why I saw it, Cannon, was because you did an interview with Jason Tremblay, who is oh, my okay, okay. who is my boss. So I was like, oh, she knows English. She knows mm-hmm. Jason. Let me drop a YouTube comment, see if she'll come on. And she's like, sure, I'll come on, even though I don't think I'm qualified. <laughs> <laughs> well. well I- yeah, um, I pretty much have a podcast right now and I interview a lot of Japanese and, uh, you know, American lifters, uh, people from around the globe. And you know how, because uh, a lot of people in Japan don't speak English, so they don't have a lot of access to information that they need to know, especially 
a lot of people are really curious about the IPF and USAPL problems there, and no one knows what's going on. Really? And for me, as you can tell from my accent, I grew up in Australia. I speak English. You know, I can understand what's going on. So I pretty much, you know, get the information and what's been happening in powerlifting, and I translate it to Japanese so that people can understand. And I feel like that's a part of my job, you know, as a bilingual. So I do that. Yeah. That's amazing. First off that, um, <laughs> I mean, it was, okay. So it is, so you have a hint of an Australian accent, mm-hmm. um, living in Japan. So, and so that would totally catch somebody off guard. If you're in yes. Japan, yep. excuse me, do you speak English? And then you're like full on Australian accent. Full on Aussie accent. Yeah. yeah. Aussie accent. All right. Didn't see that coming. That's cool. But then you also said you lived in Jersey. New Jersey, the U.S. for a while. No, um, I no, I haven't. No, that's there. Esther. Oh, no, that was Esther. <laughs> that's yeah. Esther. I'm mixing you guys up. Yeah, Esther and said, "See, I'm, I'm, I'm getting your origin stories off." But you guys are international, nonetheless. Um, but it's cool though that you've been like the conduit for information. Isn't it crazy how situations work? How you can be like, didn't expect this when I got involved. Didn't expect, but there's a whole community of people in my country that um you know there's a language barrier and they don't know what's good there's it's all over powerlifting there's something going on usapl is like suspended what they're gone what and then like what's happening and people are they're like we know something's going on there's a bunch of posts but we don't understand what's happening and all of a sudden you're like i'm gonna start becoming the conduit here and start being yeah like, That's I feel such like- a, it's so weird <laughs> huh yeah, because uh, when I came back to Japan about seven years ago, I literally have no place to use my English. And I never thought that I'll be using it for powerlifting, but it's definitely helping people, I guess. So it's been great. Yeah. And uh, so because you have, because you, you like, obviously you're reading, writing English and everything and, and fluent. Mm-hmm. Um, is it kind of, do people come to you for the news now? Have you all of a sudden been like, oh my God, I'm the de facto news source yeah. <laughs> <laughs> definitely after i posted the translation for the ipf and usapl problems uh, you did oh people... you posted translation the, the whole night yes um i actually listened to your whole uh, there was a series of podcasts from king yeah. of the lifts right so i listened to all of it and i try to get information from the ipf website usapl USAPL website and then I just made like a a translation video for it and a lot of people really appreciated that so I'm I know that people are curious but just don't have access they cannot understand the information dude we have a Japanese KOTL representative here. I was like I was like <laughs> put that put that in the back of your mind save that for later <laughs> yeah I'll put a pin in that and be like, <laughs> this is now we have somebody on the scene in Japan, on the Japanese scene that can be like, okay, here it is. Yeah. And I'm sure it's the same for Esther as well. Yeah. As a, do you have a podcast as well, Esther? Oh, no, just Instagram and YouTube. Yeah. Oh, oh, so but, you do the YouTube as well? Yes, but I actually met Canon through her um, Barbell Radio podcast. Mm-hmm. Ah. Yeah, we, we didn't know each other. No. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Because Esther, were you at the World Championships? No, I wasn't. Um, actually, no one from Korea has been to Worlds yet. And hopefully we can be the first one. Yep. Yeah. Well, yeah, no kidding. No doubt. Um, yeah, because it is like, it's interesting how, like when it's, a, it, this is a true international sport. I've said this before, but like some people don't fully appreciate how big the world is. I swear sometimes you get caught up in your own 
little ecosystem and you forget like the world's a big place and mm-hmm. powerlifting is a for real legitimate international sport with over a hundred member federations. And there's a lot of sports out there, even in the Olympics or like the, the big sports like basketball, uh, hockey that mm-hmm. don't have nearly the international reach that a smaller sport, like in terms of, uh, you know, people watching powerlifting have, and then you realize like there are full on nations out there that are like, are the side of the world separated by time zones. It could be a different day. We're in mm-hmm. a two different days here talking and um, in a language barrier and uh, you know, culturally how people are brought up is different and you know, but we're all participating in powerlifting and we'll all like, it's cool. Cause it brings us together. We'd ordinarily wouldn't be talking. Like we, we would have no reason to hop in on a zoom call. Like how would we have ever met? And then here we are, you know, just through powerlifting, we're end up like we can start learning from each other. Right. And it's, um, and then all of a sudden people start coming up with roles to play. Like I didn't, you know, years ago, know that I, all this King List thing was going to kick off and me and Arian met through world championships like years ago. And oh. here we are, you know, we're, we're doing our damn thing. And then, um, and then meeting you guys kind of filling in your roles as well, being like, okay, well, I guess it's going to be us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's very exciting to be able to make friends with people all over the world through like our hobbies and doing what we love, you know, cause uh, for us, we don't, as I said earlier, we don't speak English. So it's really hard for us to, you know, communicate to people around the globe about, you know, just anything. So pretty much just meeting me being at the world championships and meeting other people and, you know, and connecting through a sport that we love. It's just really exciting. Yeah. Uh, I know Aaron's got a bunch of questions. I just want to ask you real quick. Cause you said um, you didn't really like, like a lot of people don't speak English over there. I, I want to ask like, so how aware are they of who is who in, in the current goings on, or is it kind of like isolated away from that? Well, what do you mean? The, uh, like, 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 like w- would they know, I guess everyone kind of knows who Russell or he is, right? Like, uh, uh, that's easy though. I mean, or like Ray Williams or whatever, like mm-hmm. that's kind of low hanging fruit, but I mean like, um, do they know who like other like like influencers would be, mm-hmm. but not like someone as big as like a Ray Williams? I mean, like, you know, like, do, do they follow what's going on in Europe? What's going on in the U.S.? Do they follow these people, even though they can't read the posts or understand mm-hmm. what they're saying? Um, I'm not sure if you'd still get away the same or is it like, hey, man, you 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 see a number, you know what the number is. You see him moving it. You see her moving it. And, and then you see that guy looks like I want to look like that girl looks like I want to look like, mm-hmm. like maybe that's enough. I don't know. I'm, I'm just interested if it does mm-hmm. translate. I mean, surprisingly, a lot of lifters, Japanese lifters know a lot of big people in the IPF. Like, uh, like you said, Russell, he's a lot. Japanese people are like crazy about Russell. <laughs> um, who else? Uh, uh, Leah from France. Leah Babla. Everyone loves yeah. Leah Babla. Yeah, so I think a lot of people look through their Instagram posts and, you know, and they follow King of the Lifts too and uh, they follow yeah, people yeah, from they do. that. Yeah, and I, uh, who else? Uh, Bryce from Canada as well. Everybody loves Bryce from Canada. Yeah, um, <laughs> really? No shit, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, people like, yeah. My that- girls really love Heather O'Connor. Oh. Really? No shit! It's so let me ask you then. Let, let me 
in terms of culturally speaking, because Heather is definitely vocal, but like extremely confident, um, you know, comes off even cocky at times. Like she's seriously like on the podcast, but I love it myself, but she's like on the podcast. She was like, uh, and not just Heather, but some other people would be the same way. She, I said, what's a message you would give to the other 47s leading into the world championships. This is where she thought she was going. And she said, uh, my message is, I can't wait to see who comes in second. And then laughed. And it's like, <laughs> bam, that's, that's, that. but that's how she is. Right. But there's other people like that from like, um, like Penna had a really juicy quote. When I asked him, he's like the powerlifting gods, favor me yeah. i am the one you know like something juicy where he's like the gods favor me and, and it's going to be me or whatever i'm going to win and um but i wasn't i wasn't sure like like if that is you know if it tra- if it translates culturally over there if people would be like that's not really how we would talk over here we you, you know that's not really how you sporting people carry themselves or if it's like even if maybe it's generational though maybe like the younger generations yeah it is actually yeah right mm. no that's like, a very that's interesting yeah Go ahead, i feel like they wouldn't do that do that themselves they wouldn't ever say that themselves but then because it's so different from what they are they're actually more drawn to it they mm. love the confidence a lot mm. of the women here they're kind of they're very meek they're they're taught we're always taught to be respectful kind of similar to japanese and korean culture and when they see Heather just killing it, you know, just being confident and being the woman she is, they're just like, we want to be that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's same for Japan as well. If if you're a very strong lifter and some people are like, oh, dude, you're really strong. If you say, oh, thank you. That's like a really cocky thing in Japan. So you, <laughs> have, to, well, you have to be like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not that strong. <laughs> what? No way. <laughs> complete, yeah, the culture is like completely different. But I think the reason why people are really obsessed with people that are like Heather is maybe they just want to be that way. I mean, a personal opinion, but I think they want to you know, more, like express themselves more and be more confident. But culturally, you're just really trapped, I guess. I don't know. Personally, I think so. That That is interesting that, well, first off, just saying thank you would be too confident. <laughs> That's too confident. You I've been called out for it too. What? Saying thank you? That's like, for me, that's really shy to be like, thank you. I, I'm like, oh, because um, like you can't say thank you. You have to put yourself down. You have to put down three people, you know. <laughs> After, the three people next to you, you have to put them down as well. No, that's, yeah. um, it's interesting that you say that people actually like, uh, they're drawn to it because they want it with themselves. All right. I always bring up, sorry, go ahead. If you're going to say something. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, because I always bring this up. So Aaron's uh, like a boxing or MMA guy or whatever. So here we go. It's bound to happen. But Muhammad Ali in the sixties, he grew up in America that was divided and um, there was segregation. And he was saying how black people in the sixties were told kind of like you were saying how culturally you're told, no, you shouldn't speak out. You should be, mm-hmm. you shouldn't be overly confident, et cetera. He said, so in the sixties, he was in his twenties and already a world champion. And everyone knows he's like, I am the greatest, but he grew up in the forties and fifties in the mm-hmm. Southern States where it was in segregation, Ku Klux Klan, in, 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 incredibly racist. And mm-hmm. if you were a black man, you, there was no black idols that were like that, like none. Mm-hmm. 
you had to be very, very passive, very, you know, uh, diminutive in, in public. Don't have the voice. Previous to him, the great champion was Joe Lewis. He reigned for 10 years and in, in the press, he gave you like five lines. Like he, he very short, his managers were like, keep it tight, keep it short. Don't say much. Don't make people upset. You know, don't come off mm-hmm. too cocky or confident. And then so Joe Lu, or sorry, uh, Muhammad Ali said when he was in the sixties and he came around and he's like, we're throwing this out the window. He would take an interview and he'd be like, I am the greatest. I'm, I'm so fast. I turn off the light. I get into bed before the lights go out. And he was like, he's like, that's how fast I am. I'm so fast <laughs> on my feet. He's like, just talking like just, it was amazing. And mm-hmm. um, we don't appreciate now it's lost over time. How mm-hmm. at the time people like other black people, like white people, like, holy shit, never, never seen a black guy talk like that. And then black people were like, holy shit, never seen a guy, black guy talk like that. But they were like, <laughs> fuck yeah. They, they were like, yeah, man. Mm-hmm. You know, they were, they like, they like, I want to be like that. Like that's yeah. they were like, tell them, man. Like, yeah. All right. Okay. And it starts when one person breaks through other people start getting bold and, and confident as well. And it's like, we've got a voice now, you know? And, yeah. um, and I could see where, uh, like I've talked to other people at IPF worlds who are like from Europe in their mm-hmm. older generation. Mm-hmm. And they'll see like a post um, like the 2000, 19 U S national team area. You, you are a national coach for it. And there's a post where it showed all the American team. They look like superheroes. And I was, do you, do you guys remember that? Do you remember that area? It was like the Avengers poster and they redid it. Yes. So they they redid the Avengers poster Mm -hmm. with, with the American team. Right. I thought that was dope. I was like, that's Mm -hmm. so awesome. (laughs) And um, I remember showing a couple people that were like older though. Uh, they're like in their fifties in mm-hmm. European. And they were like, I was like oh, look at this man. Is that awesome? And they're like, that's a very American thing to do. Oh. <laughs> and, and, and I'm like, oh, I mean, I'm, I think you're thinking too much about it, but um, I show like younger European people that like, mm-hmm. like Penna from France or whatever. And they're like, yeah, that's cool, man. Like they, they're different. So mm-hmm. there's, there's cultural for mm-hmm. sure. Like you're still, there's still cultural differences. But I think the generations, mm-hmm. um, younger generations, it's mm-hmm. less of a cultural gap because you're exposed to like Russell or here, Heather Connor or, or whatever the mm-hmm. heck, right? Mm-hmm. So I think things like, what do you guys feel? Do you feel like you're not there yet if you have to apologize for saying thank you? <laughs> not there yet, but. Uh, well, for me, for me, like growing up in Australia, there are a lot of people that are really confident and like me coming back here, I've had a lot of problems with me competing as well, because I want to be more open. I want to, because sometimes you have to manifest things, you know, I want to yeah. say that I'm, that I want to win. And I want to say that I want to become stronger, but then people have a problem with that sometimes. Oh my gosh. But, uh, yeah. So I've had a bit of a problem myself with that, that, um, I don't know. I think it's, I'm slowly starting to be okay with saying openly saying things, I guess. That's, yeah. It's weird that you, if you said, I want to be stronger. Yeah. Or like, I'm Whoa. gonna, I'm gonna win nationals or like, I want, I'm going to win this. I'm going to get this world like Japanese record or something like that. Uh, people would be like, oh, she's, she's too confident. You really? Know, Holy shit. What about you, Esther? Is that the same thing in Korea? I feel like it's worse in Japan. Like, it's not like that here. Like, I mean, thank you is still respectful and you should technically always be humble and just say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not that strong. I'm not that great. (laughs) Um, But, like, 
thank you isn't just like something being rude or anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So gotcha. But you yeah. still got to add up. So you can say thank you, but you do yeah. have to be like, nah, 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 nah. Thank you, but no. Nah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Is there a difference between women and men in terms of how they carry themselves? Is that more allowed if you're a man? I think even males, they're, they're always like taught to be humble. Um, I don't think it's necessarily like a female versus men thing. Um, females definitely, um, they tend to be just more meek um, in terms of how they carry themselves. But males too, like when they're given a compliment, they're always just like, oh no, you're stronger. Or like, you know, like, <laughs> or like, oh no, I'm not that strong. Like I have a lot to go. Like mm. that's the usual way of like saying thank you. Mm. Yeah. So you think the same thing there, Kenneth? Oh yeah, definitely. Women and men. Yeah, exactly the same as Korea, I would I would say. Yeah. Really? So so um I Erie, maybe you can I I'm gonna start getting into your questions if I don't watch myself and I don't want to do that. But you were gonna ask about like women and strength and stuff like that. Like well, I mean, just going off of off of what you both said, like Esther, for example, um if you wanna list off some of your accomplishments real quick of like the different competitions you won, because I saw you um for um on your Instagram, you had posted some of the stuff as far as your, in your, in your career in powerlifting so far. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can talk a little bit about my career in powerlifting and how my coaching. Um, so I actually haven't been powerlifting for too long. I've been powerlifting for three years now. I started in Hong Kong. I used to live in Hong Kong and I used to compete with world powerlifting. And then I moved to Korea and, Oh, and one, um, women's overall in the Hong Kong powerlifting championships. And then in 2020, when COVID happened, I was actually kind of forced to move back to Korea. I left all my, like, I left my apartment and belongings in Hong Kong. Holy moly. Thinking that I won't be, like, I'll be back in a month, right? And then I just never went back because... (laughs) Uh, yeah, so that was a bit of a financial, you know, um, anyways, and then I came to Korea, um, I was still powerlifting and then noticed that literally no women were powerlifting. Uh, it was just not a scene here. And I joined the powerlifting gym and I was the only woman there. Uh, it was all men. Um, it, it was a 50 person gym and I was the only person there. So I realized I wanted to start it like in my mind. Okay. I'm not the strongest person. I'm not. Even though she won best overall. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. I got it. <laughs> like compared to like, you know, like the elite mm-hmm. stage or the world stage or people, even just America, like I'm nowhere near as strong, but like somebody needs to do it. Somebody mm. needs to encourage women that like we can lift heavy things. So I started uh, my brand called Strong Girls. And now I coach mostly um, beginner females coming to me saying, I want to learn how to lift because that culture was just not there. Like it, it was it's very common in the States, right? Mm-hmm. But people like just didn't think it was possible that like, a woman could deadlift even a hundred kilos, which is ridiculous. Right. 
Um, so yeah, I've been coaching a lot of women. I competed in um, the national competition in Korea this past May. Unfortunately, this that was the only competition this year. So um, yeah, I competed. I won, and I just want to keep competing. Yeah. See, she won again. How, how many? Uh, how many women were in the national uh, competition? Um, honestly, not a lot. I. The thing is, like, you'll probably relate to this canon, like, Asian culture. Like, when they think that they'll compete or, like, take a test, because I feel like when they think of a competition, like, they'll think of taking an exam or something, like, comparable. And if they're going to do something like that, they need to win. Mm. So their, their mentality is that if I'm not going to win, why should I compete? <laughs> It's so true. This is such an Asian stereotype that I could not say. It's like taking a test. It's like taking an exam. You're like, watch it, pal. You gotta gotta, gotta get a hundred. Yeah, if I'm not getting a hundred, why should I take the test? Oh my god! Like, like, the competition culture is so small. Like I've told you before this comp, I mean, before this conversation that um, there's over six six hundred people in the IPF. But when you actually look at the number of people competing, it's just such a small fraction of that. So like I just recently hosted a mock meet myself with the girls that I'm I'm coaching and I had to like rally them up and get 20 people on board, 20 girls on board to compete in a mock meet. And that was already bigger than um, like the number of girls who competed in the IPF. That, that's a massive for you to be like you single-handedly have rallied like tw- when you said 20 i'm like that's a pretty good mock meet first off mm-hmm. of women 20 yeah. women when you were walked in you're like i'm the only one you just literally multiplied it by 20 <laughs> you found 20 more people like you're like oh hell no it can't be just me and um for you to grab 20 people and be like come mm-hmm. on just do it do it for fun mock me mock meets great for something like that if you're coming from a situation where people are like, I got to be a hundred percent. I got to be like, if you're watching Heather Kahn, that's where social media is going to work against you. If mm-hmm. they're paying attention to like Heather Kahn and Jessica Bittner or whoever the hell or Leah. And they're, and they're like coming from the angle where you said, like, if, if you're taking it, if they view it, like a, we're going to test your max test, test, yeah, yeah, yeah. say less. I got to get a hundred on a test. And it's like, no, no. But if, if Jessica Bittner's a hundred, I'm, you know, it's like, no, you can't. That's where comparison will be like, no, man, it can't be like that. It's gotta be the journey. Have fun. I, I see where your struggle is going to be. Yeah. It's definitely difficult. And I think that's also the case for men too, because like there are a lot of powerlifting men here now, like it's definitely growing like by the month, but men have this idea like I have to win right so um a lot of these guys like like you know like the people who don't compete and you know they'll look back in hindsight and say like oh I could have placed third you know yeah so um yeah we're just trying to like my gym train true they host a lot of competitions as well um so the we've been trying to like work together to kind of boost that culture. Like, yeah, you don't have to have to compete in like the IPF, but you can compete with us and just be part of that culture. 
Mm-hmm. It's part of you. It, it's tough that, you know, if culturally that's how, how you're brought up, like you view things in that light, like, like you said, like you view it like an exam and you got to you ace it. That's, you know, there's expectations. It's tough to be like, this is different though. You, you're acing. It means man's going to sound so cheesy, but, <laughs> but is doing the best, your version, doing the best, you being, getting hundred percent out of you mm-hmm. improving upon your previous best. Acing it is not, and this is where the social media be like, man, there is so many levels to this game before you get to, um, you know, if you're 52 kilo, Naomi Alibert from France, there's so many levels before you get to there or get to like, if you're a 57 join Amani or whatever, like, don't worry about that. But if people view that and they're like, or even just amongst each other, it's like, man, you got, you're, you're going to, like you said, you're going to miss out. Not only will, if you step back and be like, if I just don't show you don't know what I would have been. So I'll just tell you after the fact, I, I think I would have been third. It's like, maybe, but you're missing parts of life. Yeah. You're missing life, man. Yeah. You know, how, yeah. Like, how do you get people to convey that? How did you get these 20 girls? What did you tell them to be like, just trust me. If, if you don't have fun, don't come back. But I know you have fun. Like, how did you get 20? So we had to be a little smart because like, you know, I couldn't just be like, oh, it's just all for fun. Like, we're going to have prizes, too. But then, you know, first, second place, first, second, third place wins the biggest prizes. So mm-hmm. I actually gave out raffle tickets to every single competitor. And uh, all the prizes were actually based off of a raffle. Mm. So, like, even like someone who placed last could win the biggest prize, which was like the SBD full set. You know, like okay. they were like pretty like big prizes so overall like and we didn't even call it a fest uh call it a competition we called it a festival like ah oh, sneaky <laughs> oh okay he's good but when you're writing down the numbers like hang on a second keeping score and you're like wow wow she tricked, she tricked us. tricky sneaky i like it and there were girls who uh, actually couldn't lift the 20 kilo barbell for the bench. Like, and we allowed 15 kilo barbells mm. and like, we just wanted to just encourage that. Like, it doesn't matter if you can't lift as much as the other competitors, like it's okay. Like mm-hmm. do it. And this is just the beginning. Don't think of it as the end. That's like that, that, that is it right there. This is the beginning. This isn't where you're ending. Like exactly. if you don't, if you don't get started, you're, you're never going to start. You're never going to be ready. There'll always yeah. be someone stronger, right? Yeah. So it's, I think it's as a coach too, like it's a constant battle because like these girls, like they um, have like loads of beginner gains. And then like six months later, they're like, Oh, like coach, I think I hit a plateau. I'm like, it's not a plateau. Like, <laughs> like just life. Adding <laughs> kilos every week. Like it's not a plateau. <laughs> Yeah. So it's, it's definitely growing. I feel like the um, competition and also um, powerlifting culture in Japan though, is much more mature than Korea. Like, what do you think? Uh, In terms of numbers, definitely. We have in 2019, we've had about 3,600 athletes. Holy shit. Last year was, well, due to COVID and everything, we only had about 2,000, but it's definitely, I mean, powerlifting in Japan has been going on for a long time, especially in equipped, not in raw powerlifting. So we've had 
uh, we have a lot of legendary equipped lifters and that's been going on for about 50 years now. But recently, that's oh, not a lot of people are competing in the equipped division and more raw powerlifting is more in. But I think in terms of numbers, definitely more than Korea, yes. That's not bad at all. How Because mm. Japan, Erin, you might know, Japan's been around for a while, no? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if they were one of the you know original members, but like, yeah, as far as decades. I know, like they, they've been around for decades and they've had uh, probably athletes go to world championships, world games, all those kind of stuff throughout those decades. And it's, it's interesting to hear, like, you know, when we look at pre-COVID numbers, USAPL was around 22, 23,000. And so people would assume like, oh, US must be way bigger than Japan, might have like, you know, 100 times more lifters. And then you're like, oh, it only has six or seven times more members than mm-hmm. Japan has. It's not that much of a difference. <laughs> Especially when you consider the population, probably. Yeah. yeah. Well, Japan's how many? Japan's pretty heavily populated. No, not really. Two hundred like, million. It looks like they're one twenty-five, and I believe U.S. is around like three thirty. Okay, mm. then I'm inflating yeah. Japan's numbers a little. It's crazy though for the size, geographically speaking, of Japan and the number of people you have is cra- it's crazy dense. It is crazy. <laughs> it's it's absolutely insane. The houses are almost like stuck together. <laughs> Like, I was like, it's, it's like, like, it's, it's like New York City, but everywhere. Yep, pretty much. I was it's talking insane. I was talking to a buddy who used to work in uh, in China, and he was saying he he'd be in China, going from one city to the next, and it would be like, like you pass by. Here's a city. Here's a city. Here's a city. Each of those cities, when I just said the word city, was twenty million, twenty million, twenty million, and they're just they're just. Like I'm like these are big city. No, this is a metropolitan. This is just, this is just a fucking city. They got to equal 1.4 billion, my friend. Like there's there's cities this big all over the place. Like this isn't like their version of L.A. or New York. It's just a city in between. There's just a middle middle of the road city. So you got to like it's different, man. Uh, different parts of Asia can be extremely densely populated mm. that we're not used to over here. Like I'm in Canada where we're pretty spread out. Like there's Toronto, but beyond that, it's, I, I can't wrap around my head, you know? Uh, that yeah. <clears throat> and I think that's why a lot of uh, powerlifting gyms can't open in Tokyo because there's not enough space, you know? And if you make noise, there's, your neighbors complaining to you like 8 p.m. at night. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, can you please shut up? That's right. So it's just like there's no space. You can't you can't make sound. It's just it's chaotic. Yeah. What what sports are popular in uh, we'll get both Korea and Japan, but what sports are, are popular over there in Japan? We'll go Japan first. Well, baseball, I think, is very in. Um right. well being in for a long time. It's yeah. It's, in like the culture also ooh, rugby recently because of the world cups um i don't know and also you know judo and a lot of sports that originated from japan i'd say yeah judo was huge um because i remember because i'm into like mma and martial arts and stuff mm-hmm. so i read about like guys coming out of like japan like mma's for a while there was huge in japan um, but the biggest MMA promotion called Pride Fighting Championship got linked to the Yokuza and then and then it got mm. taken off TV and then it nosedived. But there were so many guys coming out of Japan with a uh, judo background. And I was reading, so I read up on them. And 
is it true? Like there's like judo in like high schools and like, like judo mm-hmm. teams and universities. So kind of like America has wrestling and yeah. also Japan has wrestling too. Cause a lot of Japanese, a lot of Japanese MMA guys have a wrestling background, mm-hmm. but just like the, the push in America with wrestling judo is like, you could take judo. So we wouldn't even think about judo in schools, high school and universities, right. but in Japan, it's like, <clears throat> hell yeah. And extremely yeah. competitive. And a lot of parents want to bring the the peak of their ch- like children's career in high school, so oh. that's where like, that's a very Asian thing, I think. So, um, so judo, kendo, aikido, karate—they're uh, all in the uh, schools, yeah, clubs. Yeah, like I exactly, and I know it's like cliche because those are all martial arts you're rattling off, but like historically speaking like judo like i'm a fan of like martial arts right so i mm-hmm. i would read about it like how cool would it be because we don't have we have wrestling but we don't got that how cool would it be if like fucking there's a judo national judo team for high school things like that ah, championship yeah, yeah, man yeah. it would have been cool it is mm-hmm. what it is but yeah it, but wrestling is also in in japan though right is there like uh, olympic sports I think I'm not. I'm not too sure, but wrestling's pretty big in Japan. I think. Right. Oh, I, 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 was, I can't. Don't know. I was like, what about sumo wrestling? Sumo, oh, wrestling? sumo wrestling is big too, especially in like the uh, more of like the countryside areas. Everybody goes there and then trains in like the countryside. And I, I remember when they had uh, bench worlds in, in Tokyo that people could go to one of those cities like early in the morning and watch the sumo wrestlers, and they can wear the outfit and everything. What? Oh. That would be cool. I so I mean look this is how into this shit I am I I've read on like sumo wrestlers and shit like books on it like I love this kind of stuff right this is what I do man I'm a nerd with a lot of this so um and I've read about like previous champions from back in the day and um but is is sumo because sumo for a little while there is like is it as big as it used to be in terms of popularity oh. at one point it was massive. I don't know statistically, but I feel like it's it's not that big anymore because a lot of older people watch it. Right. And it's like a culture, you know, you get home, uh, sumo starts at like 6 p.m., you know, everybody goes home, sits at the, the living room and watch it with the family and stuff like that. But now it's not, I don't see that as often. It's not, it's slowly going away culturally too. So It's, it's tough. See, we can't even picture coming home, Dad's got sumo wrestling on. You have dinner and you watch sumo wrestling together. We can't picture that at all, but it's amazing. I love that there's different parts of the world that are completely different, that just watch different things. And it is tough to like hear that, like it's kind of fading away. Certain things mm-hmm. are just fading away and things, man, that's the way it is. Mm-hmm. Things change, right? Um, but at some point, man, I got to go to Japan and like experience some of this. And, and oh, take you haven't some been? Never been to Japan. <laughs> I know. Um, it's, I know the bench worlds is there, uh, yeah. but I haven't commentated the bench, like any of the bench only stuff, but, um, oh, Frank, man, I got it. I get you like, some, I know I'm going to, man, I'm going to be like, I swear. And then I only have so much time off work, et cetera. Right. Um, but some point if there's, if there's another one in Japan, I'm going to be like, I don't care what it is. I got to go to Japan. <laughs> got to go, man. I got to, cause they'll yeah. fly me out and everything. And, and then I'll stick around and tour around and, and take in the sights and whatever the heck go to one of your gyms. Yeah. And- don't, <laughs> don't make too much noise. I'll be, I'll be quiet, man. I'll be very, very, you won't even notice me. You'll but, be like a celebrity in Japan too. Yeah. Right. For yeah. <laughs> Go for Not, yeah maybe if I was a sumo commentator or something like that. Um, is it, is it like, how would somebody like, this is what I worry about. 
and we'll get back to like, uh, we'll, we'll talk about sports in Korea as well. I didn't forget, but I just, while, while I'm thinking about it, what would, would I by accident be like with my personality to be offensive to people? Maybe like, would some people not know how to take me if I was like, I can see it's okay to be honest. Cause I can see where I'd be like, Oh shit, man. I'm pretty like, <laughs> I Ryan's pretty offensive. I'm offensive. I offend Arian on the best of days. <laughs> you, you guys have probably seen some of the clips and whatever. We, but, I, but obviously, if I'm somewhere else, you could get a vibe. You could get the temperature of the room and be like, I gotta, you know. But, but I think my personality would be a little bit different. Yeah, and, and also language. I don't know if that this happens in Korea as well, but we have a language. It's like a formal language that you use for people that are, I don't know, explain it for me. I think it's the same. Like we have like respectful language versus like language you would use with your friends. Oh yeah. And like slang. Like, like I got you. Yeah. yeah. No, but it's a completely different language. Oh, oh. so at the end of every sentence, it's, it ends in a specific way. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Exactly. yeah. Mm. So I feel like a lot of people who is, who's just learning Japanese don't know how to use that. So they'll speak to you like you're speaking to a friend, which is fine. But then in like, like, like culturally, that's it's kind of like offensive sometimes. Oh, shit. Yeah. I would love to pull. I would pull that on area and all the excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be like, if it was like an AI, I'd be like, you throw an AI at the end of that fucking <laughs> sentence, bud. I'd, I'd be, yeah, or whatever. Whatever it is, you're supposed to throw at the end of a word. Excuse me? Uh, wow! I feel, I feel like Ryan would offend everyone on the train if you can't tell. He just likes to talk nonstop. Oh, <laughs> this guy. We, we we try to study up on things when we went to Japan, and and when we did take the train to like Tokyo, like no one talks. Everyone just sits there. It's and rude just to talk. Yeah, see, yeah. And, really, and, all, and also whenever you go get like food and stuff like that, no one's walking and eating at the same time, like New yeah. York City or something like that. You're not supposed to. <laughs> Real holy smokes. So when you travel, you don't talk. It's rude to talk. On the train, because if you hear someone talking on the phone on the train, it's like kind of uncomfortable to hear like people's conversation. So it's making other people uncomfortable. So please don't talk on the phone, kind of thing. No shit. What about like um just in public in general? Talking too loud is rude i guess really oh no i should not come to Japan. <laughs> uh, i won't be coming back in, in eating and talking or eating and walking people don't eat and walk much that's rude uh is it rude oh. it's rude yeah it's not the, the, you have bad manners if you do that no kidding holy smokes i gotta yeah. be careful ryan's like eating a big mac like, <laughs> eating a big mac with my Dump. big mouth talking dropping ah. lettuce on the floor dropping lettuce and yeah and then i said right <laughs> like just talking people like holy fuck you're, you're, on, you're on the phone with cannon so where's your gym again <laughs> and you're like uh you give me wrong directions I'm like yeah. holy shit i got uh, uh, wow that's mm. wild I mean, um, I, I, t- I remember taking like international business and they would talk about like different cultures. Like that's just it. If you don't, if you go into a different country and just try to be you, I'll oh, just be me. And they'll think it's cute. It's like, you don't realize you could come off completely like rude, like differently, but you're not trying to, you know what I mean? Mm. It's good to like, take some time to actually 
um, digest how the culture is like, how they, how they conduct themselves. I'm sure that this is just like day to day. I'm sure if it was like business, you could really insult somebody by the way you carry yourself. And they'd be like, holy mm-hmm. shit. You know, <laughs> like they would yeah. not like it. Mm-hmm. And especially coming back from uh, me and Esther as well. We, she grew up in the States and I grew up in Australia and people very casual coming back is like, Oh, it must be offending people. Like people call you like this. People think you're like this overconfident. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Dude, Esther's from Jersey. Okay. She's from Jersey. All right. She came back with a fucking jean jacket on and a chip on her shoulder. It was like, like, who? she was like, who the fuck is y'all? Uh, you know, she was talking to people with like, what the fuck are you looking at? Like, she was all types of, it was wild. It was wild, but it would be honestly. Uh, so, how old were you when you were in New Jersey, Esther? Um, I was there uh, when I was nine. I actually went without speaking any English. Like my mom threw me into the school mid-school year, actually, and she like wrote my name down on a brown paper bag, like with my on my lunchbox, and she was like, "This is your name." Like, Jester, <laughs> you got holy yeah. smokes. She was like, This is your name, go to school. And then I was like, pretty much silent the first um, like five months, but then I picked up English very quickly. If you're put in that situation, you just gotta mm-hmm. survive, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, like, <laughs> whoa. So, I mean, this is Jersey too. She's like, Just fucking, here's your lunchbox, be good with your hands. Okay, you're like, what does that mean? Use your hands. If, if anyone asks, this is your name written on there. Yeah, point to your, point to your lunch. <laughs> this is my name. All right, and it is what it is. Um, well, f- listening to how the culture was in Korea, and this is from Korea you were coming from? Yes. Okay, so you went there from Korea to there. How they were teaching you to conduct yourself in Korea as a little nine-year-old girl will be nothing like they hold themselves in Jersey when you go to us and then did not know any English. That's crazy. That must've been an insane culture shock. Yeah, of course. I mean, like it was really difficult and I was the only, actually I was in a really, really white town. So I was the only Asian girl. Holy smokes. Grade. So, like, everyone kind of, like, looked at me funny, you know, like, just like, you know, why is she bringing, you know, rice for lunch? And then I, I had to ask my mom, like, you know, can you start packing me peanut butter and jelly? Oh, <laughs> it broke her heart. It broke her heart. You know? <laughs> like, I hated it. But then, like, it's like that's what everyone else eats. So I got to eat that, too. And then it was like I had to assimilate first and then start finding myself after it's it's uh it's so weird i guess to like go through that at such a young age and and to not have a friend to talk about it with or, or you can even talk to him man you, you didn't know english i don't even know how you did this esther I, but hats off to you holy freaking mm. smokes and first yeah. off uh i can't believe you didn't like peanut butter and jam that was that's that's wild I now, but like, <laughs> really isn't it weird how that could happen yeah of course like i love like all foods now but back then like i never had like you know why are you like mixing fruity stuff with you know salty and nutty stuff like i just didn't get it but of course i love it now 
And then you eat it now and you're like, you brilliant bastards. What are you, what are you guys do? Those fucking Americans can eat though, huh? <laughs> okay, all right. That's like the biggest takeaway. Peanut butter and jam, I'm bringing that back to Korea. I'm, I'm, I'm going to make millions of dollars off this. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's... So when you were growing up um, and some of the things like, did, did some of the American culture start rubbing off on you the way you carried yourself and... You know, music, everything, the athletes, who you saw growing up? Um, I definitely think so. Like I I think like growing up half in half in America and half in Asia, like Canon's very similar to me, but I think those two cultures kind of like meld over time and you take from each culture. Like for example, like people still tell me that like I have that kind of like Asian mentality where like I just like work really hard on something right like just keep working hard until it's perfect but Mm. then uh, (laughs) um, like I still like when I come back from the states or like when I come back abroad and get into a taxi like they'll just know that I'm not from here really isn't that fascinating (laughs) not like I have an accent or like it's just how I carry myself. And oh, wow. just, oh, you're not from here. But then I don't think they do that now because I've been living here for two years now. Like I've been fully assimilated. <laughs> so a, ta- a taxi stops and he's like, yo, you've been eating peanut butter? <laughs> you're like, what are you, you fucking eat peanut it. butter? I smell it all over you, kid. I smell you now, a mile away. Now, now the jersey smell is kind of worn off. They that's don't know right, that's right. Um, and when you came back, to Korea, then, uh, if some of the way that, so like you were over there for 10 years, you were saying? Yes, I was. And then six years in Hong Kong. When you, so that's a substantial amount of time from nine yeah. to 19. That's yeah. like, uh, like, uh, what I think about me at nine and then me at 19, that's the big chunk of holy smokes, man. Yeah. Like I'm a different human being by from nine to nine, 19, you know, you are, a, you are a whole nother level of human. So when you come back at 19, you must an American 19, like you're an yeah. American teenager right now. When you come home, that must've been a whole nother culture shock all over again. Of course. Cause it's like, I've, grown up with friends who like speak you know like they'll call their mom by their first name and like to me that's like the biggest shocker like, <laughs> like you call your mom by your first name like you know like like stuff like that was just like still shocking to me even in, even in high school but like here like I'll come back and everyone's partying but like here like my mom will still like try to um keep curfew for me like i wasn't like this like free soul when i first came back Mm. but i think you learn like you learn to prove that you have independence by like working and you know like you're not you're still always a child in their eyes do you think some of the growing up in america for 10 years and then coming back and it's you who's going to start telling women let's get a barbell let's do this let's do you think some of that's helped that like, is that some of the American mentality where you're like, or do you, th- what do you think? I think so. I think, I think it's the American and also just the Western idea because I think it's just about showing people that it's possible. Like in the West, it was already common mm-hmm. um, and like, kind of like what Canon does with information, right? 
it's it's the same with image. I think you need to show that a certain image is actually possible here too. And all these women in the West, you know, they're like lifting heavy, like they're like happy with getting muscles on their arm, like they're happy with building quads. Like that's that was unheard of here, unless you're in professional bodybuilding. Mm. Um, like before, like girls, they just work out to get small, right? Like they don't actually work out to grow. They work out to get smaller and smaller. And that's very like symbolic in a way, because I feel like that's what society tells them to do. Like you need to be smaller. You need to fit into this. Mm. And then, like, that's you. But then it's this idea of like, actually you can transform yourself. You can change your body. You can grow and look better and feel better about yourself. So it was like this idea that I had to struggle with as an Asian, like being in America, being in the West and like just kind of like sharing that journey myself because I used to be a cardio bunny as well. Like I used to be thinking, okay, I'm, I bought these pair of, you know, zero size jeans. I really want to fit into this someday. And then changing that mentality of like fitting into something and like kind of thinking, okay, like I'm going to just build my body. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was that transition and like constantly posting on social media of like how I think and like my mentality and my, um, what I believe in and people started buying into it. I think it's, and I think your, your Instagram posts is you like arms by your side and like a powerful, confident stance like you you yeah you're you i think am i right that's, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. But, and that's like it, it means something though like when you see when you're looking for somebody to look up to like if um you know and there's something about when you carry yourself like some swagger where people are like i want to be like that and there is for sure something about when you get stronger you mm-hmm. get more confident all of a sudden you feel more confident in situations. I don't know what it is. It's really true because, you know, I have these girls who've never lifted a weight before in their lives and they start hitting some mini PRs on the way. And like six months later, one thing I notice is that their voices get louder. Like, hmm. like they'll come in and talk really like, I'm like, what did you say? Like, I, I have to like get closer to hear what they said, but their voices gets louder, like their laughter gets louder. And I can tell that they're like actually filling a bigger space in the room. And mm-hmm. I love seeing that transformation more than just the physical. Mm-hmm. That's it's, it's yeah. Take up space. Some people yeah. are like afraid to take up space or to yeah. be noticed. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's something, it's weird. Um, like I know, I noticed that like I started lifting weights and totally changed me as well. And that's mm-hmm. like, I know it's different, but to a certain extent, I, I understand in how you coming over and if girls feel a certain way about it and you start being like, well, check out like some of these people, check out like a Leah Bavois, check out like a Naomi Alibert, check these, these girls out. And they're like showing pictures and they're like confident. And they're, you know, they're like, oh man, when they walk in a room, you know, if I could be like that, like just coughing and carrying myself this way and feel that way. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, I can see how you, it might be, you might start following it, leaning into it and be, I kind of want to be like that. Kind of like we double back to where we talked about initially. I kind of want to be like that. 
You yeah. know, even if like with if someone's boastful, like like Heather's boast will be like, all right, maybe I don't want to go as far as that, but like I respect the fact that she's not afraid at all. She can walk into a room and, you know, I could see where you'd be like, ah, all right. I don't quite have to be that, but I do like, there's something attractive about that, that personality. Yeah. And also I think it's so, so very important. And I appreciate this a lot of a lot of the fitness influencers actually showing not just their confidence side, but their weaknesses too. Like when they feel insecure, because I think, that's when um, people like who follow them get the most um, like sol- solace almost like, like, Oh, they're actually like, they look so confident, but they mm. have woes, you know, like, like Heather O'Connor, she came on your podcast talking about her, you know, eating ish, like how she's not eating as much recently mm. and just confidently showing that like, we're all not perfect is such a great message and like even my girls i have a lot of girls with scoliosis as well and they're like oh yeah i can't lift because i have scoliosis and then i show heather to them like look Mm -hmm. like 47 kilos much lighter than you she's got scoliosis and she's a world champion Mm -hmm. and like they'll just like no that can't be like they just don't know it's possible so just having them like talk about not just their confident side, but also their not confident days is really helpful for the followers. Uh, honestly, and some of the men are open, but mm. one thing that powerlifting has, like, first off, we have a high participation rate with women more than like a lot. Some other sports, they, their, their participation rate in elite level is nowhere near what powerlifting enjoys with the amount of women we have in, in not only that, Men will watch the women and be into it and do fantasy leagues on it and pick like who's who's going to win and debate it. Like, you know, it's not like 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 uh, you could be an NBA fan and not watch WNBA or you could be or whatever the, the female version for baseball or whatever. powerlifting. Not we are all in, you know, like guys watch the women's the women's watch the women's. It's a it's it's very much supportive. Um, so that's amazing. First off, for like bringing other people in from from around the world. But then what I've noticed, because we got such a good female representation in the sport, women are are not always, but they're better, I think, at maybe being honest about insecurities or about just like things like that, like communicating those things. They're not as worried about appearing, oh, this will make me look this way. This will make me look weak. When in reality, like you got to be extremely confident. Like I've had women on the podcast and like, they'll open up about things. I'm like, Holy shit. Like Sophia Ellis came on, uh, UK's national champ. She's, she's medal at worlds and Europeans and like talk about like, eating disorders and like being mm-hmm. suicidal and, um, and like right on the brink, she'll go, she'll go all in and she'll be yeah. like how far on the brink she was lost herself. And like how low she felt and like, go like just all in. I've had women come on and talk about like, um, and she also was like sexually abused when she was younger. It's all in, bear it all in. This is it. This is me. And saying how far it went with her. And you're like, just in awe of like how brave some, like she is and how strong she is to just to come on here and talk about it. And, um, and then post about it. And like, you see how she was when she was at the bottom and anorexic. And then you see her now and like, you know, deadlifting over 500 pounds, like 227, 230 kilo, whatever. And, um, and it is like, 
like there will be some men who open up, but women are like so brave when it comes to open up. I don't care, man. Like this is, this happened to me. This, this doesn't make me weak. This doesn't make me whatever. And just bear it all out. And it's freaking like extremely. That's why our sport has that other sports. If their female divisions are not as getting as much attention, their stars aren't getting the same shine that ours do. That's what makes our sport so they're missing out. We got it. You know what I mean? We get it. Like our women get support and get idols to look at and be like, fuck, if you, whatever you're coming from in the background, we got you. Somebody, somebody's gone through it. It's inspiration. Even for like the men, I watch it. I'm like, shit, that's a good story. You know, like that's inspirational. That's motivational, you know? It's so but, true. Uh, that's real, real courage, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And especially if over there, um, you're saying like some of the women might not. So I can see where that'd be attractive as well. Where someone's like opening up their story and just yeah. here's my story. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. This girl's like just totally opening up from wherever, just saying all this stuff about herself. And then she's so strong and confident. Holy shit. This is crazy. And you want to get involved. You, you can understand it. Yeah, for sure. How about, um, so, so what sports are big in Korea? So I'm honestly the worst person to ask because. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. <laughs> like I don't want to misrepresent anything, but then. I'm just not a sports person outside of powerlifting. Um, I think, yeah, baseball is really big here. Um, people watch a lot of soccer. I mean, football, whatever you guys call it. Soccer. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and um, in terms of like the gen, gen pop, um, a lot of people just uh, go to the gym. Rock climbing's mm. really, really popular here. Rock climbing and tennis for gen pop and also like judo and taekwondo obviously yeah, yeah. always have been popular yeah i think that just sort of sums it up and k-pop, k-pop. <laughs> how big is k-pop over there yeah, like like that's a sport in itself because it's like, <laughs> highly competitive like you like yeah. have to train like you know do the you train your voice train your acting train your like pretty much everything like you need to make yourself and then like apply for one of these agencies right and then you get accepted by them and then mm-hmm. they make you into a k-pop star so <laughs> like i i think it's like even more competitive than sports and like sometimes they're probably like probably burning more calories than athletes just <laughs> <ended in Hawaii. laughs> yeah, definitely more than me. It's we're power lifters, we're power lifters, but um, it's it's wild how so I've I've seen some K-pop people and it is absolutely crazy how big K-pop is. First off, not just in Korea but like all over, like in America, millions millions of albums sold in America, and they may or may not know what they're saying. But people can be. I I worked with a girl who was obsessed with K-pop, and I'm like, she like loved these guys and, and these dudes. These dudes are the prettiest dudes I've ever seen in my life. First off, um, I'm like, I'm like, excuse me, this is a boy band. And they're like, yeah, I'm like, these are the prettiest gentlemen I've seen. And, um, and I, yeah, I mean, it, she was telling me about like, like some of them go through like mentally, like what we have, we have like Justin Bieber and guys like that in like mentally after a certain stage, they always run into some issues. And she was saying that can happen with K-pop too. They get so massively big tour like you lose your life we, i'm not going to go on a tangent about k-pop here we'll go back to powerlifting in a second. But, 
This is now the K-pop. This is, this is the K-pop. This is it. K-pop is 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 what we're going to talk about from here on out. But um, <clears throat> I, I want your top five K-pop K-pop <laughs> artists. Uh, right now. But um, they tour like crazy. They get unfathomably famous beyond anybody's belief. They're kids still, essentially, like teenagers, um, and then it can be over real quick. It is insane mm-hmm. to adjust. And some of them, like I've heard of some of the K-pop guys, I don't know if some of them committed suicide or attempted or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, but it's tough. We had the same, we have this, that's everywhere, right? Like some people have gone through some, like whenever you become too famous too quickly, but K-pop mm-hmm. blows up, man. It's crazy how people all over the world don't even know what they're saying and are so into it. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder what it is about K-pop that makes it, like scary. I mean, he's a huge dude. I was gonna, really? I was gonna say, K-pop dude. He's a K-pop dude. I was going to say, sorry, Ryan, it's too late for your K-pop career. I know you're trying to get information nah, on, on how to get into it. It's too late for Arian, you. Listen, guys, don't laugh. Me and Arian mm. got a K-pop band. We're going to, we want to start out. Yeah. Can you imagine? It'd be the most unpopular K-pop band of all time. But, uh, wildly unpopular. But uh, yeah. Um, anyways, and Aaron, you had a couple more questions, sir. Well, I was going to ask, since we're talking about this whole idea of what sports are popular there, um, yeah. Just to ask both you and Esther if you want to start first is do your like friends who don't lift weights and like your family know what powerlifting is like and know what you do? Like here, a lot of people think like, you know, we're bodybuilders or weightlifters like, oh, you know, the thing where you lift the weights over your head. So the people actually know what powerlifting is over there. Um, so it took a while for us to kind of instill the idea of powerlifting. It's still happening like. Just just two years ago, when you search up powerlifting, hashtag powerlifting on Instagram, it was you would get all these ads for plastic surgery. Oh, because my God. Powerlifting, like your chin. <laughs> oh, <laughs> your, yeah. So, but then now when you um, search up power, power putting on Instagram, now it's like lifts. Like now you see Esther Bay, yo. <laughs> so like, okay. Like it's definitely changing a lot. But then like, you know, like I'll show my friends or like my mom or my family some of my lifts, like for example, my deadlift. And then first of all, she'll be like, like, why is, why is your feet that wide? You know, like why are your feet that oh, wide? Oh shit, she trolls <laughs> you? <laughs> She's like, you're cheating. <laughs> savage. Yeah. Savage. <laughs> and then the second second part is like, why do you not finish the lift? Like, aren't you supposed to put it <laughs> over? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like when you explain it to like a, um, layman um you'll have to say oh it's sort of like olympic weightlifting but yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it's not, I don't yeah. Know. But no. it's not yeah so it's it's definitely changing um <laughs> one of the one of the things that actually got powerlifting big the three lifts big is um it was an internet meme um it was if your total is under 500, you can't wear Under Armour. Like, <laughs> internet that really took off in Korea. Wow. Actually hurt Under Armour's like sales. <laughs> because people thought, I, sh- I, I can't fucking lift. I'm not strong enough. People, <laughs> were you checking people? Were you like, if you saw someone in the subway wearing Under Armour, you're like, what's your total? <laughs> What's your total? And then, and then, and the guy stuttering. You're like, give me a fucking shirt. Give me, give me <laughs> Esther, Esther, Esther's taking his shit right, right in the subway. Give me that shirt right now. Don't ever let me catch you with Under Armour, kid. 
Yeah, so that internet meme actually hurt Under Armour's brand, and they actually like did a public statement like, please don't like say that anymore because like not a lot of people here have a 500 total. Like that's just like Mm -hmm. very powerlifting thing. But then because of that meme, like people actually started talking about what the three lifts are. Right. Then it started getting popular. I think like three, three or four years ago. Yeah, or five. Yeah, in the last five years. It's funny, so, Under Armour somehow made like a fucking qualif- qualifying total to wear their gear now. <laughs> their shirt. It's a qualifying total or something. And they had to lower it. They're like, all right. You're like, it's, it's new. It's new in Korea. We'll lower it to 300. But. They have, they have the, maybe have the beginner series line. That's right. They had the beginner like, series. 250. That's right. That's right. There's a beginner series. We'll raise it every year. It is what it is. Um, how, about, how about you in Japan? Same thing. Uh, yeah, exactly the same. Like weightlifting, people think it's Olympic weightlifting. Sometimes you just can't be fucked to like explain it. So you're just like, yeah, it's it's that. yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. So like, why why does your family think when you told them like I'm going to the world championship? Oh, I mean, well, this is funny because like uh, we talked about this before, but dad, my dad didn't even want to talk about powerlifting until I won nationals, and then now he's all about it. He's like, now it exists to me. Yeah, yeah is that right? Fine. Yeah, and he's like, "Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, you should go and stuff like that." But before nationals, it was he was like, "I don't want to talk about it." Kind of thing. Really? Like, yeah. Uh, now, now, so now, Asian. Now at dinner, he's like, "Yo, you hear about Russell Orgy?" Yeah. <laughs> he's like, "You're like what?" Or, he, or he's like, "I can't be. I can't believe Ray squatted a thousand again. That's fucking wild, huh?" And you're like, Wait, well, "When are you gonna get? When are you gonna get him on your podcast?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, "Let me know when you got Leah Babel on your podcast." Okay, let me, let me. Yeah, no shit. Um, I remember way back in the day when I first started powerlifting. Um, I went to an international competition. This is like years ago, and. Um, <laughs> I ran into a lady that knows my mom and it was an Olympic year. And the lady's like, yeah, your mom told me you're going to like the Olympics or something. And I'm like, what? Is that what she's telling people? Like, I'm like, oh, fuck me. People are stopping. Just say yes. I'm like, sure. Yeah, I'm, rep- I'm really honored. It's going to be crazy. I think they're going to watch TV and be like, what the fuck? Is she's laughing at lied to me. She's but, telling everyone in town, like, oh, my son's going to the Olympic. They call him six pack over there. He's so yeah. good. <laughs> People are stopping me around town. I'm like, I can't live up to this hype. I got to like disappear all summer because you know what I mean? Like, how'd you do? How'd you do with the Olympics? You gotta wear your IPF medal. Yeah, I got a fucking bullshit. I'm like, uh, we did good. I don't know. Oh, Jesus. Um, and even even now, I remember like a few years ago, I was going to Worlds, like way more recently. And like an older lady, I would, she was like, how's training coming? I'm like, it's going good. I'm getting stronger. And she's like, I thought you had a competition coming up because you look tanned. <laughs> what the fuck are you t- I was like, well... Thank you. First off, thank you for that's, it's a compliment at least, but it's got nothing to do with what I'm going to do. But I for really thought that she knew what powerlifting was. I'm like, oh shit! I thought we we're going to talk about it. And she's like, no, nah, you have tan. That looks good. But uh, but anyways, yeah, it is what it is. What about like, is there is there like a stigma because women are lifting? Is that like, um, do you get questions like that? Like, why you want to lift? Why you want to do powerlifting in another different sport? I've had people, uh, I've had men come up to me and was like, oh, I wouldn't do that if I was a girl, but that's pretty cool. Other than that, people think it's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, 
Yeah. Mm. I hate the comment that I usually get. It's like, oh, you're strong for a girl, you know. It's just like, that's, no, like, it's just different. Like, people just say that Mm. and they think it's a compliment. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, well, load up the bar, homeboy. Let's see what you got. Because you could be like, because I don't see you wearing fucking Under Armour in my So what's up, up, man? What's going on? What's your your Under Armour? I was like, Canon, that's when you bust out the Aussie accent. Like, sorry, I don't speak Japanese. I don't speak Japanese. I don't know what you're talking about. Sound of cocky. Watch yourself. But I don't know what you're talking about. So I'm going to let you pass. There's a tone to it, though. But I'm going to let you pass. <laughs> you, had, you had mentioned um, before we started recording, Canon, about like the cost for you to go to Worlds. I don't know if you want to give like a quick breakdown of like what competitions do you have to do to get to Nationals? And then mm-hmm. uh, based on Nationals, how do you make it to Worlds? And what were the costs and everything like that? Right. So in order to compete at Nationals, you have to qualify with a qualifying total. And you have to compete at a prefectural meet. And you have to get a qualifying total there. And then you get to compete at nationals. And then if you place top two, I believe, in nationals, then that gives you the right to go to Worlds. And if someone drops out, of course, you know, third place, fourth place can go. And as for the costs, uh, we don't get any support. So uh, I paid for this World Championships, I paid about $5,000. So is that US sorry? Yes, US US dollars. Yeah. <laughs> so about 1.5k for the flights and uh accommodation was like 1k, a little bit over 1k. Um testing for covid which was pretty expensive. We had to pay like $300 to is that the same as Canada as well um, um $300 to yeah for like in Canada no but while there in Sweden yeah. um frick, I, I, it's the same we I, I did I was at the same hotel I believe yeah and it was, but we, to get tested in Japan you have to pay $300 to get like the certificate I swear it's a business mm. but it's like you have to get a certificate that's for traveling and that mm-hmm. costs $300 but yes. usually the tests are like $50 so I had to pay for that. Uh, yeah, testing while I was in Sweden as well. Uh, also, yeah, transportation and things like that. Uh, uniforms. Uh, actually, SPD provided like, uh, uh, you know, a singlet and stuff like that. But other than that, you have to pay for everything. So around 5K, I believe. Yeah. And then did, did, they send a, uh, did they send a team coach with you or were you just on your own? No, it was... Uh, I guess they sent one person to like help out but it wasn't a coach or anything like i've never met him before i i i i I don't want to be rude but i've never even heard of him before so it's like oh hey i'm canon like and you're pretty much on your own yeah was he there in the warm-up room or what and and Uh, he was a master's lifter okay so he was just one of the <laughs> Was he? Was he? <laughs> and he's like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. I don't even speak English. I'm just. Here. Oh no! He's like, but he was a. He's like, he he's, like, he's, good like friends he goes, he's like, he's like, he's like, can you help me? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, so I, I actually did the translation for him. Yeah. So I, yeah. He's like, I haven't eaten all day. I don't know what the fuck. Please help me. You're like, all right, chill, man. Yeah. All right, Jesus. pretty much yeah wow that's a lot of money for not having like a a coach or any but i guess it's because with no government funding um Mm -hmm. you would need a coach to just pay for himself 
or, mm-hmm. and nobody's like for 5k, no coach mm-hmm. like, well, thank you. But um, that's quite the, you know, yes, exactly. That's, exactly. that's a big ask. That's a big mm-hmm. ask you would need. And then I guess it depends if you would somehow need the federation to try to comp, get enough money to afford sending a coaching staff, which isn't mm-hmm. easy. Yeah. Um, Especially with COVID. I'm right. sure the association have, hasn't been making a lot of sales because not a lot of people are competing. I understand that. And yeah, it must've been hard. And I'm sure like the association didn't want any of us to go, you know, yeah, cause only true. one person it, from Japan as an open lifter went, everyone else just canceled because you know, works. You know, oh, if I get COVID, then I'm going to get in trouble at work. So everyone canceled. And I thought everyone was going to cancel, except I was like, oh, you know, what? I'll go. <laughs> and they're like, fuck. Okay. <laughs> fuck. Fine. <laughs> no, we have to let you go. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's pretty wild. Do, do they normally send a coach? Do you think like next year, do you think they might? Uh, I don't know. As for like, mm, Aaron, do you for remember seeing head coaches? Clipped. I You've mean, been around for, the block <clears throat> for for the classic open power thing. They don't always have you know Japanese lifters there, or you know maybe a few. So I don't mm. know off the top of my head. Um, usually they're there for you know the equipped, depending on you know what year it is on the bench only. Uh, I feel like maybe the Japanese lifters may go more to the Asian Championship because a lot of times the worlds are in Europe or in the U.S. or Canada. It can be very expensive and, and difficult to get mm-hmm. to and everything like that. So if you're not getting the government support, it's hard to convince someone to spend $5,000 to to go. Yeah. Hmm. It's a shame. Like, if only they could, you know, get some money to send at least just one coach. He'll be super stressed or she'll be super stressed. But... Mm-hmm. It's huge. It's a big difference to have a coach with you through like uh, the weigh-ins, uh, through the attempt selection, helping you get your attempt selection in. Like if you don't have to worry about that, even warm-ups, having someone help you out when you don't have to worry about loading the bar, getting your attempt selection in, uh, last call to change your openers, you know, checking out the scoreboard and being like, where are we at? Doing the calculations. Like the fact that some nations are trying to do that, like the lifters themselves on the fly at the national level, a guy like Arian, who's like a national coach for us, it's going to eat you up. Cause he's like, this is what he does. He like yeah. is a powerlifting nerd who, who, and I say that affectionately cause I'm a powerlifting <laughs> nerd too. But he is a master handler who just like he's watching. He's scouted you. He's paying attention to the score and he's all the rules and he's done all the calculations and he knows if you hit and miss what's going to happen with you and what's going to, you know, and it'd be so hard to go against him. Even if you're a phenomenal lifter, if he has a phenomenal lifter as well and you're both super tight, but that lifter has Arian and you just got yourself. Mm, it's and tough. What's, yeah, what's what's good about it was when I was there, um, I didn't have anybody to handle. So I met uh Peter from Reactive Training Systems. He's a he came as a coach for Thailand and he just helped me. So uh, with weigh-ins and you know attempt selection and everything like that. But then at the backstage, they're like, Oh, you're not Japanese, like you're not supposed to be here. And he was like, <laughs> Hang on a minute. Oh, really? Oh, they stopped him? They're like, what are you doing here? Kind of thing. And it's like only one person's supposed to be here. You're not Japanese kind of thing. And then just, but he helped me out with everything. So, you know, big shout out to him. Yeah. Damn. They tried to stop him. Well, it's, it's also because they had the restrictions for last oh, year. Oh, got yeah. you. Yeah. That's right. Well, 
Fair enough. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, have you ever helped people out like that area and been at Worlds, noticed some nations have the lifters without handlers? I think Rory had a story about that. Have you have you seen that or ever had to? Because you probably are already full every single time, though. We're usually full, but over the years, the U.S. team has helped out some other countries if they're there by themselves uh, or it's like helping out like on the equip side. Like, you know, if someone needs help wrapping their knees, there were sometimes mm-hmm. at like North American championships where there'll be like two lifters from, let's say, Ecuador um, in the same sh- session. And they'd be like wrapping each other's knees and sharing a belt and loading their own weights like that. So sometimes the, the U.S. coaches will help out if they can communicate with them and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um as things have gotten more competitive, it's, if it's like, you know, going to be a battle. And also if USAPL is like paying for me to go, they don't necessarily want me going out and like helping other people and helping competitors and stuff like that. So it, it just depends I on the scenario. That, yeah. That's the tough part, right? Like you can't, can you imagine being paid to go out there by your federation and the guy who's in second, like the, the number two is from Japan and the number one's from US. And initially you're like, Helping them out, helping her out, whatever. And then the battle's starting to fold. You're like, oh my God, I might just <laughs> get this. Per- I, I, everyone's, like, everyone's like, I think we're about to pull for the fucking win. <laughs> and I'm who the American, no, the Japanese guy I'm handling. Like, I, don't, I don't know what the fuck just happened, but I just beat America. <laughs> like, you'd be it's a disaster. You'd be like, oh, oh, oh no, I'm in big trouble when I go home. You know, like, yeah, it's a conflict of interest. It's mm-hmm. tough. I, I understand that. Yeah. I've seen, um, I think Rory was talking about um, in 2017 or one of those years, he was there to help out. Team New Zealand had some weight classes that they did not have any lifters, no conflict of interest. So they're like, bam, I can help out. And he was helping out some of the Asian nations, I believe. But US has got people in every single, pretty much in every single weight class. Mm. So it'd be tough. But yeah, I mean, it goes, it goes a long way. That'd probably be the next big thing for your nations to do well at Worlds is like, mm-hmm. If they have that support while there, you don't, I can't imagine turning around. Like if they did that to the Americans and we're like, here, here's your temp cards. Just do it yourself. Load your own weights, pay attention. Don't miss anything. If you got to appeal or whatever, here's your temp. Good luck. Let, let's see what happens and just go against the other people's handlers and see what happens that day. It would be a disaster. It, may, it would be crazy. It would not be the same. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's eye opening. How about uh, Korea? So I don't want to hide. We, we went off a little bit, but how's okay. it like in Korea? Um, like I said before, the competition culture here is very small and young. So um, we've had um, teams our Korea team compete in the APF, but never at Worlds. And they do go as a team. They do help each other out. But, like, it's more like you're on your own when it comes to, like, actual attempt selection. You just need to be smart yourself. Yeah. Mm. Which is a lot to handle. Yeah. And how do you get there, like, in terms of making a team just win nationals? And if if the winner doesn't want to go, they go down the line? Um, They... I believe I've asked him yesterday and they usually do a um, nomination, like qualifying competition. And then whoever wins there can compete in the APF. Oh, wow. I mean, Asia championship. Yeah. 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 And what about for like a world championship? Why don't they send anyone there? I, f- I have no idea. Like I just, I don't mm-hmm. think, is there a qualifying total for a world? Um, 
each each nation does it however they want. Some people, some nations will do it where you can't just win nationals. You have to hit a minimum total just so that they don't send, you know, an empty weight class. Someone just, you know, hits the empty bar and goes. Yeah. But for a lot of nations, like, you know, if you win nationals, you get the invite. You want to spend your money. You want to go. You can go. Mm. Honestly, we really want to go. Like, even if we just go and say hello to Russell, like. Yeah. <laughs> Such a touristy thing to do. You're like, I'm here to lift. But first, but first off, I need a picture with Russ. And, and that's number one. But, but like that, that's what I'm asking. Like, is that your goal for this year is like you've won some bigger competitions before in Hong Kong and in Korea is your goal now to like try and get to international competition? Of course, that's always been my goal um, joining IPF here because that's the only federation where you can actually compete internationally. They do have two other federations that are just national. We have something called WPC. I don't know if you guys heard of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, World yeah. Powerlifting Congress. Yeah, that's actually quite big here because there's no like uh, barrier to entry, whereas like the IPF has a bit bigger bar- like financial barrier. You have and- to tell them the membership fee. Yeah, okay. totally. Yeah, what I mean, mean? <laughs> like I guess it's a lifetime fee, but it is um, eight hundred US dollars or like US dollars. It'll be like 750 probably Holy for, for, shit. for which one for the ipf or wpc to join ipf and it's lifetime but damn yeah so but then but then again you are like you are paying for a seminar so they make you do a two-day seminar where, where they actually teach you how to squat bench and deadlift um, so I guess it's more suitable for the dog. Market. That better be Russell or he giving that seminar. For <laughs> okay. Yeah. Let me tell you and Ray Williams and Leah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, there is that barrier to entry. Um, and that's why I think other federations and, um, like my gym, like we just want to like, just grow the sport. Right. Mm. Like we like, of course, like in the end, we'll all make money out of it, but then like, that's not our number one goal. Like there's just not enough people in the sport. We just need to grow it. We just need to show people that this is really fun. You know, like we, yeah. So $800, uh, $750 entry fee to join the Federation is a hefty price tag. Yeah. Especially like most lifters stick around for like two to three years. Mm. Um, it's as like a, I mean, we've talked about it in our, in our group chat. Like we, we got friends who could pull up like, well, this is what we see on average. So then if you break that down, that's like three to $400 a year. That's a hefty. So this is where hopefully at some point, if there is a change at all in Korea, if you drop that down, you might have an influx of more lifters. And then with more lifters there, it's the long term you get more money as opposed to trying to get all the money up front right off the bat. And then easier to grow that way with more people. Um, you know what? It's, it's phenomenal. You got as many people as you do with an $800 price tag at the front. That's you. That's really crazy. You got so many people. That's a lot actually. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. 600. Well, yeah, 600 people. But then, like I said, it's only a fraction of the people who are actually competing. It's, um, the, um, usually the trainers or people, um, working in fitness that, 
kind of want that certification just to show in their resume that, oh, I actually know how to do barbell lifts. Yeah. Yeah. Because you go through the seminar and everything too. So it makes sense, I guess. Yeah. They're almost. It's like the. It's like the NS, NSCA. I was or about ISA, to say that. Yeah, like certified yeah. personal That's trainer. Like yeah. Cause those right. are really expensive too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I would, it would have been awesome if they could make like separate them. It sounds like, yeah. you know, okay. So now it makes more sense. Now it makes more sense that you say they're essentially teaching seminar, like, like those other certifications we have here in North America. And a lot of people don't even power lift They're getting the certification for powerlifting purposes, but not competing makes sense. But if they could separate it, we have a certification for personal trainers. And if you want to power lift, we have something different in, mm. you know, and, and then you probably get way more athletes and less like less be a personal trainer certification. Yeah. Governing body. I completely agree. I think that would actually help grow the sport. And that's why a lot of the um, people who want to compete because they don't want to pay the 750, they go to other federations mm. that are Damn. much smaller and that like outside of Korea, no one really knows about. Right. So, I feel like uh, Esther's going to run these festivals and build, build up a ma- mafia of lifters and then show up to the Federation like, let's talk. Yeah. Like, yes. build, build up a mafia lifter, show up and be like, we're here for the vote. Like, <laughs> what? They're like, what vote? Like, oh, take a look at the agenda. Like, hey, take a look at the agenda. Is, do you guys, I mean, this is a bit of a tangent, I guess, but um, do you think USAPL will make an international like federation? Not a federation. They'll probably national um, athletes. But what about like actual competitions outside of the U.S.? That I don't. I don't think. I think they'll probably invite people from outside can come if they want. That's always mm-hmm. been the case. Like you could yeah. always. Th- that's no different than it's always been though. But yeah. I don't think they're to become a gover- a global governing world body is it, like that's. That's a big, mm-hmm. I, it, like in terms of, you have so much energy and time and so much mm-hmm. money and funds. And mm-hmm. um, to do that, like, you're not going to go up against the IPF. That's like a hundred nations deep or more or whatever. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't, it would actually be maybe a bit of a waste of time to try to like, it's so much, it's so much infrastructure to put in place, or you could just kill it inside us. And if you want to come over, come over, you just murder it in us, have like phenomenal shows in us, probably more better use of your time, money, and funds, I would think anyways, right? Um, yeah. That makes sense, yeah. But uh, but listen, don't worry about that. Change the rules within. <laughs> Vote. Do they have votes? They probably have votes and stuff. Uh, not really. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Well, that's tough. Because um, most federations, yeah, they would have voting and you could like uh, put certain agenda up. Uh, after you pay for that lifetime membership and course, do you have to then pay the entry fee for each competition? Yes. The entry Oof. fee is not too bad. It's like, I think it's like $50, 50 okay. or US. Thank God. I, I thought you were going to make that too bad. It's like 400 Is that a lot? I don't know. I don't know. Is that a lot? I'm like, yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Sure it is. But, <laughs> I'd rather have them take more money for the competitions and like, you know, have like better production than um just the upfront fee yeah that's the thing is like so you get better production and whatnot 
when your membership goes up, you have more people competing, but it'll be tough to have membership go up, more people competing with that big price tag at the, at the top. So that's tough. You're yeah, a bit of a jam. Yeah. Uh, I like I like Ryan's idea though. You have to like look at your, the federations like bylaws and stuff to see like what the process is, and sometimes you have to just wait for those people who like made that rule or maybe profiting off of it to eventually yeah. like, retire and move on and do other things with their life. And new people come in and say, "Hey, let's switch this up. Let's go to you know lower membership fee, higher uh, competition fees, and get more people in." Mm. Yeah, that'd be really really great because you know I have girls that are just starting out like they're actually signing up for that membership and I'll have more girls, you know, wanting to compete maybe in a couple months time. And I'd rather have them, you know, just compete without doing the seminar, but yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's exactly like Arian said, Arian's a bylaw guy and student will will knows his stuff. You get somebody like Arian over there on your red who can go through and know the bylaws and everything and know what's going on. And then um, knows like, how do we get this to a vote? How do we create some change or even just bring it up into discussion and could just be like, here's the points why and where we think we could, if it's a money thing, maybe we can make our money on the back end doing this, that, and the other. And, you know, there's other ways, right? There's other avenues to explore and just separating the certificate with the membership for athlete fees and, um, and see what happens. I mean, I really hope that happens. <laughs> so maybe they listen to King of the Lifts and they'll, they hear us. They don't know or say no. How many people, how many people speak English over there that power lift? Or am I talking to her? Yeah, you're, you're talking to one person. Um, so it just strangely happened so that like the power lifters here in Korea actually speak English because the first powerlifting gym was founded by an English speaker. So oh. Mark, um, three years ago, he he's actually from Jersey as well. Uh, <laughs> two, two and a half years ago, he started this the first ever powerlifting gym in Korea. And it, it was just like powerlifting gym. Like, what is that? You know, like no one knew what it was. And he kind of like made it into a culture. So a lot of... Um, a lot of the gym goers, they interact with him and like they speak basic English, I think. No, no one's kidding. Like, to yeah. I would love if it's part of powerlifting culture in Korea that you talk English in like a Jersey accent, like the Sopranos <laughs> or something. That'd be part of the culture. I go over there and be like, what the fuck is happening right now? This is wild. And everybody's like. <laughs> like sometimes at our gym, you'll hear more English than Korean. Whoa, no Whoa. kidding. At least our gym. And then now more more powerlifting focused gyms are popping up, which is a really good sign. Yeah. Mm. Um, but I think they're more Korean than train true. Yeah. A lot of it, man, you might need to start doing is because people won't want to foot the bill ahead of time is doing those mock meets where they don't have to be part of the federation. And that's another reason why a mock meets a beautiful idea. A, you could start doing your own rules like you did on the bench press, which, by the way, was, was brilliant. A lot of people, if that's a barrier as well, the bench press, you're like, yeah. cool, whatever. It's a mock meet. I'm making the rules. So we're using a different bar. And that's a yeah. beautiful, like, that's an amazing idea. And you could do, um, 
One kilo jumps on bench press. Yeah, if you, you did allow that, yeah. See, Esther, there you go. This is it, man. This is how you grow the sport. Is people like you coming around and being like, "This is a problem. Here's how we fix it." And mm-hmm. um, and this is how you start growing it. And eventually, yeah. Arian's right. We're like, how old are you, Esther? I'm 26. Okay. We don't we don't know. She has a couple ages. Okay. Yeah. Like I was born in 1995. So okay. is that- are you i'm 25 so you're 26 <laughs> All right. so i don't have to tell you how old you are because they're different in korea and this is weird oh, because i listen right. to a i listen to a podcast i like you're like why do i have to tell you how old you are <laughs> you're like what? no but uh so you could explain but i listen to a podcast and the guy's korean and he explained how it is different yeah so like when you they count the year like year in well not full year but um the months in your mother's womb as like your one yeah so you come out and you're one year old sort of and then like every (laughs) year sort of it's like i'm still trying to wrap my head around this (laughs) now i'm 26 but um like so you age a year when it turns january 1st and then you age another year when you turn your birthday. What? Like, so you're 150. So you <laughs> look amazing. <laughs> so you get two birthdays. You're a master yeah. lifter already. Not even two birthdays. It's just like, I, I don't know why people do it. It's just like, cause on the, all, all the government, um, like documents, like you'll have your international age, but mm. then mm. People and like in in person in a conversation they ask you how old you are you have to say the older version the really <sighs> and then yeah, if I I'm the international version they're just like oh like you're just trying to like seem young you know <laughs> you're, yeah. just, you're like uh, I'm fucking twenty six what am I <laughs> <laughs> okay I'm twenty four what the fuck what's, what's, whatever I don't want to fight about it but it's uh. But I could see where it'd mess you up if, like, you did 10 mm. years in Jersey. Then you did however many years, and you said Hong Kong, was it? Yeah. And then you mm. come back, and you're – so by the time you come back, you're like, I don't I don't fucking know how old I am. Whatever. I'm, you're, 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 she's like, like 22 she's like, life. I was going to say, she's telling IPF, I'm still a junior. Let me in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Whatever. I don't care. You can be like, I am what I am. But, uh, yeah. What were we talking about before we start talking about the game? I don't even remember. About uh, I guess about how young she is and how the federation is run by older people. Eventually, transition out. She'll be the boss. Well, this is right. right. (laughs) Well, this is where I was going. Is thank you. My man already knew where I was going at. Is um when I'm asking rage though, but it's true though. Like um like younger generations, you are eventually going to be the infrastructure that grows. Like everybody that's older now, at some point when you talk to them they were younger in their twenties coming up with ideas like, you know what we need to do. And then when you're older, you're going to be like, yeah, I was, I remember being the first woman. I remember being like, we got to start doing mock meets because this entry fee is killing us. We got to bring in one kilo jumps for the bench. We got to bring in. And like, I remember I was doing this thing. I had 20 girls showing up when I couldn't get one. And like later on, you know, whether it's you or somebody you brought in, what it could be one of the 20 you brought in, or it could be one of the next 20 you bring in people start making changes and that's when eventually change will happen. You know what I mean? Like it will happen, especially if you get enough people like-minded like you 
pressure becomes overwhelming. So even if those old fogies don't get out the way, the pressure becomes um, a lot more on them. Right. And you're doing things like going on podcasts, whatnot, having a voice because like you're younger, you're more in the know and you know what's going on and you're more adept to what's happening. Right. You're to the street. You know, you yep. show up at you show up in the U.S. Get a picture of Russell Orhey. That's it. That's it. You're the president. You come back and be like you. You as soon as you get that picture of Russell Orhey, post it on your Instagram and be like, "This is my flight." By the time it leaves, you better not be in the position of being president. Okay. <laughs> By the time my plane leaves, you better have adjudicated the presidency because this because I am now the new king. Hmm. And that, that's it. What Russell Orhey picked? That's what I'll do for you. But. Uh, <laughs> Does the um, Korean Powerlifting Association have an Instagram or like any social media? Um, no. <laughs> it's, yeah, was, follow follow Esther Bay. At- <laughs> I was like, I was like, we'll send our army into the comment section. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, That's so you right. got to start there. Even for us, uh, as like a Japanese Powerlifting Association, we like recently made like Instagram, and people are starting to put up like. Uh, like YouTube videos of like records and stuff, but you really got to start there. I think like yeah. what's YouTube or like what's Instagram, you know, that's um, huge. Um, I do think they're also understaffed. So like, I mean, they all, all of these guys, they all have their like full-time jobs, I think aside mm-hmm. from running the Federation. So like, um, yeah, it'd be really great. Like, I like, you know, like if younger people were involved, they would be more in tune with social media. Right mm. now, we get our competition, um, like notices, announcements through a massive group chat. So like that, those how are- How big the- is, how many people are in it? I'm interested like now. 300 people. Like Holy shit. <laughs> well, this is, what? This is well, well, the world record right there. What platform is this on? Um, it, it's on Kakao, so it's like Kakao Talk. It's like WhatsApp, but all the Koreans use it. Um, oh, that's the that's the I swear to God, that's the craziest group chat I've ever heard in my life. You, you should drop this episode in the group chat. Yo, drop this episode. Yes. In the group chat. Oh. <laughs> drop this episode. Put a picture of Russell Orhe in there. And be like, it's on. It's on. Leave office. I'm coming. Um, yeah. So, like, it's not the most like publicized and I do think some other federations right now like they're doing more to like like publicize the sport like I think the KPF which is another federation that is sort of like not that famous they had a deal with um, a, um, like a broadcasting company like the one of the biggest oh, ones actually. Wow. and they hosted a three big lifts um, challenge on TV. Whoa, and it was actually brilliant. a big, um, a lot of powerlifters got angry about it because when they first posted the announcement, they were like, oh, due to safety reasons, we're going to do the squat in the Smith machine. And <laughs> oh my God, well, I take that back. I spoke too soon. <laughs> Holy so fuck. And like, and then, and then I think one of the rules was like, you can't sumo deadlift. Okay. <laughs> it was like completely changing the sport and calling it powerlifting. And a lot of the powerlifters got angry about it. And 
That's so yeah. Asian. <laughs> Due to safety, we're doing a Smith machine. Yeah. What the uh, heck? I think they ended up changing the Smith machine because of the um, like criticisms when they first mm-hmm. um, got the announcement. But I mean, it's like we're just growing here. Like it's a start. Like people actually know what the three big lifts are. Like it's oh, something's I- better than nothing. Hey, look it. They got yeah. they got it on TV. Yeah, they got it on TV. They damn, have damn though. TV. If they would have had a Smith machine on TV, that would have broke my heart. But 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 it they changed it. Meme. Yeah, it, it would have been, been a meme, meme for sure. Yeah. But but for sure, if you get a social media, it seems like these some of these people in the other feds got some contacts or some ambitious people, if nothing else. I like I would love if you guys could somehow get together and be yeah. like, look it. We, you know, the IPF contacts nice, but it sounds like they might be somewhat using it to a point of, I don't know, like you got to open it up. You need social media. Like Canon had said, yeah. you want to, you Instagram and YouTube and all the rest of it is how you're going to grow it. So for people to find you, for people to find like other lifters and be like, I want to be like that. Like, who is this? How do I get, or just announcements, nationals coming up. Make sure here's a link in the bio, blah, blah, blah. Like if everyone is there, this is where we get our information now is Instagram. You know, we, right. this is how we process information. We're not, I don't need, I can't find you elsewhere, right? People don't go to websites anymore. Mm-hmm. They go to like, like they will go to a website, but like when you post it up on your Instagram, that's usually where the announcements come. Right. Of course. That's, that's the way now, but. And volunteer, man. Sometimes you got to get volunteers to do it. Yeah, for sure. Um, I like, I'm just doing what I can with my gym to grow the sport, but in the end, we all do need to come together. I think, like, I think in a bigger sense, like the USAPL, like IPF, like they could be bigger if they're together, but, um, you know, Mm. things. (laughs) Yeah, this is true. Yeah. So I think in a, the grand scheme of things, like all federations, like, we are much we are still so small compared to other sports and we we could have that potential to be much much bigger but we just can't seem to unite you know it's still early days you just gotta emerge i'm telling you once somebody emerges from the pack it it helps right you just gotta start pushing forward i really hope so somebody's gonna need um, some social media experience on the resume and they're going to volunteer. They're going to be into powerlifting. They'll be like, fuck it. I'll do it. And some mm-hmm. kid who needs that in inner, you know, it's like an internship, basically they're just going to make it up themselves and they're going to take the helm and certain things will start getting done like that. Volunteers will be like, fuck it. I'll do it. And then not for money, not for whatever. It's why mm-hmm. people start doing, you know, meet directors and stuff like that. And eventually uh, there'll be enough people around other people around that certain changes start happening as well. Like all of a sudden you have 10 people more involved and they start voicing like, we need this to happen. We need that to happen. And pressure comes. Mm, I think that is very necessary. And just like, like social media and having, you know, photography, videography, like that's oh, also yeah. important. Like you need to show people that. And that's just lacking right now. Like, like even, even in the last few competitions like there was no live stream like there was no photos you just take iphone photos yourself uh, maybe some videos that other lifters take 
like right before you like mm. it's just like we really want to celebrate it but it's just the platform's not really there it'll get there keep pushing yeah. keep doing exactly. what you're doing and yeah. then the more people you bring in somebody people start emerging and start taking okay. things on really hope you know, so it's it's the way it works man like like look at me and arian we just started doing their thing like nobody told me like like i'm not um I ended up being working with the IPF for the commentary, but before that, like nobody said start King of Lifts or whatever. Just things start happening. You know yeah. what I mean? Like things just happen. You just keep pushing and people start coming. And the next thing you know, you make friends with people. I meet Arian at the world championships or whatever. You start meeting people and be like, let's keep moving forward. You know what I mean? And, and things grow. Um, how about in Japan? Do they, so you're saying they're starting to move down that social media route. And this is like, have you seen it starting to make a push? Like where more people are starting to notice it? Yeah. So I think a lot of uh, older people run the, the each prefectures like association. But um, recently there was a younger guy who started being the representative of Tokyo and he's very, very good on social media. And, you know, he's putting up all these like uh, everyone's attempts on Instagram and records and stuff like that. And, Twitter, the Twitter's a big thing, in, uh, probably everywhere, but yes, they're yeah. pretty big in Twitter as well, YouTube, and I think a lot of people are looking at that and you know taking interest in. It. Just like I started powerlifting, like just watching people's Instagrams too. Mm-hmm. You know, like you just need something to, yeah. And, think, and when you find it, like, oh, that person's like from around here. Mm. That's huge. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's one thing to find somebody in the other side of the world. Okay. But when you find out like, oh shit, that person's like not too far away from me. Yeah. And you like, can connect oh, with them. And- yeah. You can be, I might even shoot them a message. Mm-hmm. I might, I could drive there. Like they, yeah. all of a sudden it becomes like, oh damn, I could, it's easier to be a part of this. They have competitions close by. I didn't know that. That's how mm-hmm. things are going to start going for sure. Yeah. I really hope so. Nice. Yeah. Do you got any more of your questions, Ariel? I mean, that covered uh, most of it as far as what we were going to discuss. And what do you guys think might help grow this powerlifting in your regions? (sighs) (laughs) If you could, what do you think would be the biggest, the biggest move? If you can make something up, be like, look, we have one Jessica Bittner emerge, you know, or we have, or maybe that's too easy, or maybe it's not enough. Maybe maybe it's a uh, hosting like the three lift or something or world championships or whatever. I'm not sure. Well, where people host uh, like even Japanese nationals is like a random local gymnasium. So mm. it's not very flashy. We don't have lights. We don't have a proper platform or anything like that. So just improving competitions. I don't know how much money the association has, but if they could do a little bit at the competition, you know, maybe do a proper live stream with commentary, that'll be pretty cool. And, you know, proper platform and things like that. I think just improving the competition and just the looks of it would be, would help people want to get into powerlifting a little bit more, I think. Yeah. Even if one, even if the nationals, because mm. budget wise, maybe it's tough. But you feel like if we could do this for even just nationals and look at commentary, you could find somebody like yourself mm-hmm. who's mm-hmm. good at talking, um, knows the rules, knows the lifters and, uh, 
and can like and is you can do a volunteer like it's commentary for yeah. you know a weekend or whatever it's nothing crazy um it, you could do it you know like in, in in live stream people could do these things now it doesn't it's not as hard to to hook up my man arian can link up a live stream he runs meets you know like mm. you, you just need you find a couple people that are like let's do this yeah let's let's level up mm-hmm yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I agree. If you murder a couple nationals and make it like that. Yeah. Like uh, a- usually we do a lift on some random wooden board. So uh, there's been a re- like a it's a new rule in Japan in t- from 2021 that you're not allowed to drop your deadlift. So you have to slowly lower it onto the ground. And if you don't, you get red lighted for that. Oh, wow. So it's a just it's the infrastructure's fault but the rule is changing not the inf- infrastructure so yeah, yeah. if they could do something about that you know and they'll be, mm, i don't know <laughs> I, yeah, <laughs> i've heard nice. of i've heard of some nations having rules that don't even apply at the ipf level they're just at the local national level it's like why would you do that because then when lifters go to the worlds or whatever the rules change on them yep and yep. then they're like you know i've talked to some people who something about like elbows touching their legs on squats not supporting but even touching uh, is an infraction and i'm like why would they do that because then and even like a lift off on bench the butt has to be already i've heard of some nations already touching the bench even even before lift off type deal like like they mm. weird stuff there's certain changes like why would you do that though you know it just yeah. makes it tougher yeah and lowering your deadlift as well that's so hard when it's your your max effort deadlift like you have to slowly let it go like you have to slowly lower it slowly and then that's like very subjective for the judges too some people some judge could be like oh that's a no for me and then the other one could be like oh that's fine you know like it's just all over the place yeah it's true you can't make noise in japan (laughs) exactly the guy's like excuse me Yeah, no, that's tough. What, what are you thinking, Esther? What do you think would be, I guess there's a lot for that. I completely agree with Canon. I think one of the reasons why raw powerlifting took off so much recently is because of Instagram, because of USAPL hosting these amazing shows, like so mm. much production value there, the lighting, the backdrop, right? the videography and photography, they actually spend money on that. And I think that's something that we lack here in Korea and Japan. Like if you want to like, if you see like a photo of a competition, like, you know, like you want to imagine yourself there and like, mm. think, oh, that looks fucking cool. Like I yeah, want to look like an athlete, you know? <laughs> Just, exactly. yeah. yeah. And like, there's no that like wow factor when you look at a competition, it's like, is that a gym or like, is that like, I don't know. And then, um, yeah. So I think like spending more money on it, like even for my mock meet, like I, I did things out of my pocket. I was just like, you know, what? like fake it till you make it. Like we're, even though this is a mock meet, we're going to try to make it like as epic as possible. I'm going to get these sponsors and like do a backdrop and, you know, like have like everyone wear SBD t-shirts have an actual professional photographer capturing these moments and they can share it right and make it just look epic even if it like wasn't as epic and i gotta check this out is your mock meetup i gotta check this this sounds good um it's it we did a live stream on the train true um youtube as well um we got someone i forgot his name the pirate Uh 
Gino. Gino, yes. Like we got someone like Gino, um, you know, like doing an MC thing and got someone, what? you know, streaming the live, um, live stream. So it was just like we tried to like do everything we can um, to like make it look like a fun event. Do you, do you have um, it on your Instagram? Um, we have some photos on the Strong Girls, uh, Strong Strong Girls? Girls uh, Instagram account. Strong Girls with a single G. Yeah, Strong Girls with a single G. Got it. Oh, dear. these are some good pictures. Is that, okay, I see the backdrop. Yeah, yes. this is well done. And th- you brought the photographer in? Yes. Yeah, that's something These that I really admire things. for like about Esther is like, it's such a small sport, but it's, you know, you're making things happen. So I think that's something that I need to definitely work on, you know, maybe organize stuff and yeah. Well, I mean, you can't do everything though. Like, um, mm-hmm. damn, Esther, you did a good job with these. Yeah, you got a platform going in the backdrop and photography. Go, Go strong rack as well. Yeah, yeah good for you. Rack. Um, we have two actually. Um, and yeah, I think that's something that I think the Hong Kong powerlifting guys actually do a really good job in. They actually spend money into their marketing, their production value, and they actually have a lot of big, bigger competitions now. I remember when I first competed, there weren't that many competitors, but Hong Kong's like really killing it. And this is it. Like, um, for instance, Kenan, you got a podcast Esther's, you know, you're starting to go into meat holding and, and directing. And this is like where you start getting people like you guys, where you start kind of dividing and conquering. You know what I mean? Like, because it's tough to do everything. Yeah. Arian does freaking everything. Arian, head coach, he does refing, he does meat directing, he does his podcast um, and helps with like posting and stuff like that. Like, he does a little bit of everything, but not everyone can do. But he's actually, this is what you do. Like, you're his, his, he makes his living off of uh, powerlifting mm. as well, though. But mm. um, it's tough to do. But even if you guys just like everyone starts doing a little bit, little pieces here and there, mm-hmm. you need a team, right? When people try to do everything, that's sometimes the problem where if a federation is not a lot of people and just a few people don't want to give up quote unquote power. You know, mm. you, you got to relinquish a little bit and let some people take some things on. I mean, what would you like Ryan and Ariane like recommend us to do if you are in our perspective? Like what is something that we could start off by doing? Let Ariane go first because this guy actually does more than I do. I'm a social <laughs> media guy, but in terms of really getting shit done, my man mm-hmm. does a lot. Mm-hmm. Tell him what you do first off, Ariane. I just mumbled a few things. You do a lot more than probably I give like... I mean, I got fired from a lot of them this year, so... Yeah, whatever. You've done, though. You've done a lot. Um, I mean, on my own, I've run local competition, but I always say I've helped out with other people who have run national championships and world championships. Um, for refereeing, I'm a Cat 2 referee. I could take my Cat 1 this year if I want to. Um, coaching, coached at all levels. Competing, I've competed at a couple of nationals um, as well myself and at one North American championship. Um, like Ryan said, I've tested out like live streams for my local meets and, uh, things like that. So messing around with all aspects of it, there's, there's a lot of variables and there's probably like a lot of things you can work on. Like you'd probably spend like an hour of coming up with a list of all the things that you'd want to change and improve on. But if you're trying to get maybe more lifters or more reach that the two things I would think of is one, which you did say is 
improving the meat experience a little bit like to get the customer to come back you want them to have a good experience you want like things to be run on time you want to have good spars and loaders you want to have good equipment and you know decent looking venues where people walk in they're like oh i'm an official competition this is what i paid money for i'll come back to nationals again and then the other aspect of it is I don't know if necessarily live streaming or having a live stream commentator would be the main thing or trying to make it more like for the actual audience there. You want to get the social media reach like you're going to get maybe, you know, 20 to 50 people to show up to watch, but you can reach 20 to 50,000 people online if you get a video to blow up. So that's where, like you guys said, also having like some kind of photographer or videographer that can just take some photos, take some videos, just like what Esther has for her meet over here and be able to post that stuff on social media to get out to more people because people may not know that these events are going on in, in Korea or Hong Kong or Japan or wherever like that. So if they have no idea it exists, then there's no way for them to get in. But if they start seeing all these pictures and videos of these competitors and like, oh, that person looks just like me and they're lifting, you know, 150 kilos, 175 kilos, whatever like that, then they're going to want to try it too. So the social media reach definitely helps if one, if the federations are willing to pick one. You don't have to do Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. Pick one. Say Instagram. We're going to post regularly photos and videos recapping each of the competitions. I think some of that stuff you can probably do with like an iPhone 13. You can probably take some good quality photos with iPhone 13, put some graphics on it. You don't need to have a professional camera, but even a professional camera, some of the cheaper ones are not that expensive. Yeah. Mm. yeah video, videos on phones and pictures, cameras on phones are amazing. And what you could do with an app on a phone is phenomenal. Good enough for like, for what you want to do to get stuck in the message out there. You're probably right area. Now that I think about it, if you're like, if, if you could choose one over the other, a live stream or say the social media presence, social media presence will probably reach more people for longer. The live stream might have, who knows, a few dozen people watching, but that social media posts and presence will be up there for like someone six months later could run across your, your federation page and then see the highlights six months later. And then, cause they won't sit through three hours checking it out. They'll sit through a couple posts and see some highlights you know what I mean? And see, like, I won't, if I'm just skimming through, so maybe that social media might be the first thing, but then the in competition experience that you're seeing Arian for the lifters, when they leave to be like, that was dope. That mm. was, there's a backdrop, the spotters loaders that felt legit. Mm. Um, yeah, it is a, like, that's it. And that's another thing, man. Talk to a guy like Arian who's had to run, you know, run competitions and, and been around the block and then, and reach out and be like, what are you thinking? And sometimes these guys can help you out and be like, listen, like I was saying earlier about like wasting time and energy. If the USAPL want to go international or whatever, it's the same thing when you're trying to like do everything too much. You sometimes could spread yourself thin and be like, if you only got three people, you know, I got so many hours of the day, kill this part and the rest will follow as we go. Right. Mm. It's tough, huh? But like I was looking on your your Strength Girls uh, Instagram account, like you have 1,600 followers, but this reel that you post up of this uh, female lifter squatting has like 4,500 views. Holy yeah. shit. And then you have the the video you put up of your deadlift mistakes that has like 8,600 views. Mm. So imagine if like you had a federation account that was posting this stuff up on a regular basis from these competitions with tips leading into the competitions, meet results after the competitions, and you're regularly getting, you know, four or five, 10,000 views, then that's going to get out to more and more people in the country. 100%. It, the consistency is what does it, right? And, and um, rules and stuff like that. You're going to say something, mm -hmm. Kenan? 
I mean, if anyone listening has other ideas too, please message me. <laughs> it's, just, it's really hard, especially when the association holds so much power and uh, they already have like photographers at times, which is pretty mediocre photographers and they sell their photos. So they don't mm. want any third party photographers coming in and making sales there. So it's, it's, it makes it really hard for someone like me to go in there and be like, oh, please, let's do this. So my plan is like, I'm going to gradually make my like way into the association, be one of the people in there and then do my thing. <laughs> I mean, go ahead, Aaron. Well, I was going to say, I, I get what you're saying. It's the same thing here. It's probably the same thing in any job where you're, mm-hmm. you might be like, you know, lower level and you like higher level management does stuff. And you're like, man, I wish they would do something different, but they have so much power. Yeah. And so you, from what I've learned and I've tried to like, you know, learn more about the business side and, and things like that is maybe doing something like what Esther did, which is you have to kind of start with what you can control. So yeah. she ran her own little strength festival and said, I'm going to do things here in my own gym, my own way and sh- show the proof of concept. Then those people may see and say, Oh, that's a pretty good idea. Let's do it. So maybe the same thing for you. You run some kind of local competition and some gym that you know, your friends and do like the little extra stuff. And they're like, Oh, wow, this actually works and the customer likes it, now we maybe will implement to that national level. Mm. That's really good advice. I tell you what, how many times, same thing with like social media with myself, we're like, um, I have ideas and there's nothing, everyone's got ideas though. And it's one thing to be like, okay, got you. Right. You, you, who are you? What are you doing? Are you just trying to sell me some ideas? Like, why am I listening? But then if you could like, when you go out and do it and you create something yourself and then you come back to the table, and be like, do you remember me? This is what I want to do. They listen a lot more. Be like, you're an asset. You know, Mm -hmm. you are an asset to have. I'd rather you on the team. Um, And and, and, and that's the way it goes. Like Arian was saying, like, it's more like you got proof. And that's almost fair though. That's almost fair though. Because you know how many people come with ideas and like, are you an ideas person, but you don't see things through and you don't do things? Or are you the person that's like, all right, let me go do this. Come to the table. Like, look what I did here. Let me show you. Mm -hmm. Let me show you the pop we got. Let me show you what we're doing. And then now the proof is in the pudding, right? As they say, it's a lot easier and they'll want you. They'll be like, all right, we, we need someone like you, you know, yeah. it's tough though. It's easy. It's easy, but it is something to be said for building yourself into an asset, you know, <laughs> which is a weird thing to say, but it's true. It's yeah, I completely agree. And I think Canon and I actually began that relationship after me going on her podcast is um, like she started Strong Girls Japan. And oh. we, yeah, we both actually started. As you're a lawsuit now, right? <laughs> <laughs> you're like, and I sued the fuck out of her. And this is awkward. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she, she used two G's, so we're good. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> No, 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 no. Like, David, um, she's done Strong Girls Japan, and I completely support it because, like, we we both started as a reposting account. And, I mean, King of the List is still a reposting account, and we're just trying to show people maybe not the strongest lifters, but, hey, like, there's someone like me in Japan who looks exactly like me, like, just as small, like, 45 kilos and she's lifting like she's just being confident she's doing her first competition and that gives us so much confidence like that gives the girl that wanted to start like oh maybe I can compete too 
So like we're just kind of having this like synergistic effect and we both share a similar culture in terms of like woman woman being meek and mm. always um, being told to be respectful. And similar goals too. So yeah, yeah, similar goals. And now we're trying to be more confident and just own ourselves. So we're trying to like merge our efforts together and um, create this like Asian mm-hmm. lifting movement. It's, it's um, a, a friend of mine, a lady who I'm at, who I actually like helped her out with some programming. Um, let me find her name real quick. I don't want to butcher it, <laughs> but she was at the Asian championships that was just held not too long ago, 57 oh. kilo and, and what? What's her name? I only know the names of the 52s just because yeah. <laughs> you're in that way. <laughs> Just yeah. So Dr. Shavari in Inamdar. Hey, that's hard to butcher. It's it's that's I mean exactly I'm not <laughs> but let me tell you so she's in India and yeah. she said um you know there's st- still like there's stigma around like women lifting etc and um when she's st- and she's a mother 38 years old a doctor who's super into physical fitness and, um, you know, her Instagram bio is her flexing, showing off abs. And like, this is not something that they'd be used to over there. She yeah. wins the Asian championships and she's like on the news that they have like massive posters on her at her, at her gym. Um, she's like the, she's got like 10,000 followers on Instagram. She's got some posts that are like half a million people that watched it. Like it's blown up. Um, she's got YouTube videos that are like million. Like, 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 cause, cause the India has got obviously uh, like one point, whatever billion people. So if you think about just a fraction of people who are kind of interested in the storyline, just blowing up over there in this. And she said like the news loves the fact that like a woman and a mother is like getting in the gym, going after it, winning international titles, like you guys said. And um, yeah, you could like, you could really get a following doing something like that. Other people haven't seen before and people mm-hmm. are like, I got to see this. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. I was shocked. Like a couple years ago, we were talking, um, I don't even know how we started talking. It was Instagram. I've never been to India. Um, you know, like we've never met in real life. And then she had mentioned something about not getting too many programs over there in India or whatever. And I'm like, I mean, I could send you some programming. Cause I programmed for like my one friend, calf. We, and I used to do it before like King Lister really started taking off and I had more time. So I'm like, I'll send you some old school programs. I was running. She's like, okay. And then all of a sudden her totals going up. She's like, holy smokes. I think this is, this could happen. And then she won the Asian championship. She's like, holy shit, we did it. Yeah. And it was, um, and now this, all this pop is happening for her. And it's, uh, you know, she's getting tons of feedback. Like it, when she was reposting in her story, how many women were like reposting her, um, like with the gold medals in, in India, she was in India and there was like fucking like 30, she's walking down the street and like 35 people around her taking pictures as she's walking and she what? like her with her medals and she's got the Indian flag around. It was nuts, man. I'm like, what the hell is going on over the there? Powerlifting too. And then they stopped in front of a gym and this gym had a big mural of her. It was nuts, man. And I'm like, this is crazy. We'll look at it. And she's like, yeah, man. It's a, uh, it can mean a lot to a lot of people. You have um, to send me the, the, what, what her name is. Uh, yeah. yeah. I'll forward you guys. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'll forward her to you guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's because it's on Instagram. Yeah. Frick. It's her name. I, and 
Yeah, I think I, I found it. N A M D A R. D A R. Found it. Yeah. You found it. S H A R. That's it. S H A R V A R I. And she's a doctor, yeah. a mother, That's and uh, and her husband's like fuck. It's all in support of her husband is so insanely supportive, man. Like, like he's like, this is my wife. And they're yeah. like, you know, and she's got, she's 38. So she's got boys who are in high school lifting and she probably outlifts the shit out of them. But um, yeah, man, she does not look 38. No, she do not. She is absolutely jacked and ripped and does not look 38. Mm. Powerlifting is the fountain of youth. I'm telling you. And her videos are hilarious, man. She's got some hilarious videos um, where she's like her in lockdown her mother dressed in like traditional Indian clothing. And she's like fucking squatting her dad and her mother and shit like that. Who's like 80 years old and in traditional, and they're like, she's crazy. She's crazy. And she's like, got to keep training. Um, It's hilarious. But uh, yeah, that's why I'm saying the world's a big place. I Mm -hmm. want to go to like so many of these championships and meet so many people and take in the culture and just meet people. And it's crazy. Like when you hear stories like this, where you're like, what's going on? Like if you win the Asian championships, you go home for some people. It means a lot for that community, for that neighborhood, for that city, whatever. And for those people who aren't used to having like a champion rise up and do that, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know who, how many women in sport are coming out of her city and doing the things she's doing, but uh, it's cool. Mm-hmm. Like, what kind of, what kind of people do you usually have on your on your podcast, Cannon? Um, recently, I have not been uploading, but uh, uh, lots of bench presses and uh, national champions from Japan, and also other uh, like coaches. I also have other people from different sports on, like a weightlifting Olympic weightlifting too, mm. and I try to get English speaking guests as well, if when I can. Yeah. I'll send you this audio if you want to post it up. Oh, yes, please. (laughs) (laughs) And then um, there you go. And you can tell everybody. Yeah, exactly. I want to make like a short video of or like short audio for this and then do like, uh, ah, but it would be hard to do it in Japanese, right? Like translate it into Japanese and post it somewhere. Look, at, we're like over two hours. Good. Yeah. That's, gonna be, that's a hell of a. <laughs> oh, just like that, a short clip. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. I got you. Got you. Yeah. For like Instagram or a reel or something. Yeah. That That'd would be easy be, enough. Yeah. yeah. I'll do that for Korean too. Yes. Yeah. We have yeah. to. It helps, man. Yeah. It helps. You could tag that other Fed that had the Smith machine in it and be like, all right, see, we're making things happen over here. Come to this Federation. Come to STIPM. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I appreciate you guys coming on. Erin, this was a, an amazing idea. I'd said earlier, like, we need to have some people internationally on here to talk about the federations and whatnot. And Arian's like, dude, I think I found somebody. <laughs> He's like, this is, this is, this is going to work well. Yeah. Did you have any more questions, Arian? As our nah. close, we're moving past two hours. Yeah. Nah, I'll just say, let's, um, since they had mentioned so many different Instagram accounts and stuff like that, if, if you all want to mention, your Instagram accounts and sponsors and stuff like that. If you do coaching, all that kind of information. So people have everything. Go Esther. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So my Instagram account is Esther flower Bay and Bay is my actual last name. And flower is actually my Korean name translated. So flower Bay isn't just some Instagram. <laughs> <name>. oh. um, <laughs> 
Um, I'm an in-person coach here at Train True in Korea in Seoul um, with the program um, Strong Girls. And I'm also an online coach for the newly founded brand Performance Training. So reach out to me if you need any coaching and or anything you want to talk about. We can talk about to grow the sport as well. Mm-hmm. And as for me, um, you can follow my Instagram canon.pl so k-a-n-a-n dot p-l um i post my like videos and posts in japanese and english so you don't have to be like it's not going to be all japanese um i also have a podcast that i have not posted in a while it's called bubble radio um there are some english uh speaking guests i've had like uh uh jason as well and kedrick um i've had other lifters like evie corrigan and stuff like that so maybe that'll be an interesting one to listen to um yeah and strong girls japan is a japanese version of strong girls official so you can check out other japanese lifting women if you're interested and anyone listening just listen to the most recent episode of your podcast because you're going to be dropping this one as well yes So, that, so if you liked what you heard right now, you can get another dose of it. Start, start listening to our podcast. But I'll tell you what, all jokes aside, you are a good talker. Uh, I mean, podcasting is oh, not easy. Thanks. Podcast is not easy, necessarily. For some people, it comes easy. Um, mm. And you guys both, Esther, you could, man, you could talk as well. It, it's different. Some people come on and like, um, you know, you realize like, oh, I'm, I'm going to have to like, this is going to be tougher. It's a, maybe a little more work. It's never hard, mm-hmm. but it might be a little more work to get some information. Whereas you guys have absolutely no, no issues at all. Talk. We crushed over. We're over two hours yeah. right now. Like easy. I was, I was talking to my parents just then. And I was telling them, oh, I'm going on this podcast. It's like the, it's like the Joe Rogan of Pally. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much. Yeah. Is Joe Rogan big in Japan? No, it's not big. They're probably who the fuck is Joe Rogan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have to stop there. But uh, but yeah. Anyways, thank you guys very much for coming on the podcast. Much appreciated. We should do it again. Next yeah, time we got sure. something coming up. Um, let's let's keep in touch, obviously. Good luck on everything. You got my support. I got you back. If you guys need me, jump in the DMs and I'll, you know, we'll help promote Arian and, and everything too. We'll all jump in and, and help you guys out. Because you guys, look at this. Is, this is how we make the sport grow, right? Amazing. There it is. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you Lots very much. Fun. Thank you. Talk to you Bye. later. Bye.